0: Hey everybody, I screwed up way too long of a podcast, so today's going to be an A-B. I didn't do it in the intro, but I wanted to make sure I set it up front. A will be politics, B will be news and social media nuggets. Hope you're all safe, and I hope you enjoy the show.
1: Ever Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From this undisclosed bunker, here's your house, Tony Reeves.
2: Previous life, before you were press secretary, you worked for the campaign.
3: And you made a comment, I believe, on Fox, in which you said President Trump will not allow the
2: coronavirus to come to this country. Given what has happened since then, obviously,
4: would you like to take that back?
5: Well, first, let me note I was asked a question um, on Fox Business about presence travel restrictions. I noted what was the intent behind those travel restrictions, which is we will not see the coronavirus come here. We will not see terrorism come here, referring to an earlier set of travel restrictions. I guess I would turn the question back on the media and ask similar questions. Does Vox want to take back that they proclaim that the coronavirus would not be a deadly pandemic? Does the Washington Post want to take back that they told Americans to get a grip the flu is bigger than the coronavirus? Does the Washington Post likewise want to take back that our brains are causing us to exaggerate the threat of the coronavirus? Does the New York Times want to take back that fear of the virus may be spreading faster than the virus itself? Does NPR want to take back that the flu was a much bigger threat than the coronavirus? And finally, once again, the Washington Post, would they like to take back that the government should not respond aggressively to the coronavirus? I'll leave you with those questions, and maybe you'll have some answers.
0: And welcome back to Flyover Politics podcast. It's the seventh of May, year of our Lord, twenty twenty. Nothing's changed. It's all the same. It's all the same. If I if I literally like if this was my job, I would slash my wrist right now because it's just so depressing to go into this every week, and it it's just getting worse. The media bias is just worse. So up front uh, let's do the stats one million two hundred sixty three cases two hundred uh, two hundred sixty three thousand two hundred forty three they say seventy four thousand eight hundred nine have died. And New York has 333,491. New Jersey has 133,059. Massachusetts has seventy thousand and twenty-five. Illinois has 68,232. California has 60,635. Pennsylvania has 54,898. Michigan has 45,054. Florida and Texas are in the high 30s. My state's still number 20. <clears throat> Nothing's really changed with the media, though, because they're just all caught up in we have to get Biden elected. So, it's going to sound the same, just a different day, but I wanted to clear up something. I didn't know Kooky Roberts died, so when me and my wife were talking Uh, at the end of the last podcast, she said Kookie Roberts said something, and of course I put it out on the air, and then realized Kookie Roberts is dead. It was Martha Raddatz. So we're going to play that now. I got the soundbite, and I think it's a good study in media bias, but it works perfectly because right after all this, you know, I get this all researched, and I get the information, I get the fucking script. Guess what happens? The Pulitzer's come out, so it just like works perfectly into what we call media today. So, let's listen to her talk about a poll that majority of Americans don't want to reopen, even though we just had a poll, and there's been two polls in my last two podcasts that say it's totally different. They say they do want to get back, they just don't want to do certain things, They twisted it to something else because their job is to get Biden elected. So here is her interviewing a Republican, and then we'll review. This week with George
6: Stephanopoulos starts right now. Testing the limits. When you pull back too quickly, you literally put people's lives at risk. Dozens of
7: states taking steps to relax restrictions. I like the states opening. They're going to open safely and quickly, I hope. Amid devastating unemployment, growing unrest, and continued protests. This is
3: what freedom looks
7: like. States are slowly opening, but the fight is far from over. As the death toll continues to rise, are we moving too fast, too soon? Those questions ahead for Ohio's governor as his state begins to reopen. Plus, as President Trump suggests the virus originated in a Chinese lab, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo joins us exclusively. And six months out from Election Day.
8: I hope that we're going to be able to do some good old-fashioned 25,000-person rallies. I wish we were doing this in person.
7: How is the coronavirus transforming the race for the White House? Will there be conventions and campaign rallies? Will Americans be able to safely vote? Exclusive interviews with the Republican and Democratic Committee party chairs.
6: From ABC News, it's This Week, here now, co-anchor Martha Raddatz.
7: Good morning and welcome to This Week on this first Sunday in May. It's the third month the coronavirus pandemic has been upending life in the United States. This morning, more than a million cases of COVID-19 have been confirmed. On Thursday and Friday alone, the U.S. suffered its deadliest 48 hours yet. That coincided with the lapse of federal guidelines for social distancing, each state now on a different path for getting back to business. Six states set to loosen restrictions tomorrow after 17 others did on Friday. The country is beginning to reopen, but there is no consensus on the right way to do it. More and more frustrated Americans taking to the streets to protest, while others remain deeply concerned that moving too fast will result in a sudden spike of cases or a second wave of this deadly pandemic. This morning, we'll explore the challenge leaders across the country face balancing health and safety and the desire to get back to work. But we begin with a snapshot of what's happening across the country, starting with ABC's Clayton Sandell in Colorado.
9: You can see just how busy this shopping center parking lot is here behind me. But when it comes to reopening, Colorado has a patchwork of guidelines that change depending on where you live. Here in Douglas County, south of Denver, places like this hair salon are open and busy. And even though some state restrictions have been lifted, some of Colorado's biggest counties and cities say the governor's plan to reopen is too rushed. Denver has extended its stay-at-home order till May 8th. Now, health officials say all of this mixed messaging is confusing, but everyone seems to agree that social distancing and wearing a mask must continue.
5: I'm Kana Whitworth at Seal Beach in Orange County. Now This beach remains closed, and there was a small group of protesters. It dissipated quite quickly. Authorities say from time to time people will walk out onto the beach, and they have to encourage them to come back off. They haven't had to issue any citations yet. And in the meantime, they really encourage their residents to utilize green spaces like this. And you can see that people are doing that and practicing social distancing.
2: I'm Victor Okendo on Miami Beach. Florida is slowly starting to reopen. This park, for example, it's back open. You just have to wear a mask when you're inside. Nearby, though, the beaches, they're still closed. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis announced a three-phase plan for reopening the state. It starts May 4th, but it does not include Miami-Dade, Broward, and Palm Beach counties. For the countless people we have spoken with down here who have been unemployed for more than a month now and have been dealing with Florida's unreliable unemployment system, that is the last news that they want to hear. But the governor says he wants to be smart, he wants to be safe, and he wants to take this step by step.
7: step-by-step approach seems to be exactly what Ohio Governor Mike DeWine has prescribed for his state, and he joins us now. Governor, you were on the early side of closures and have now taken a phased approach at reopening with manufacturing and construction opening tomorrow and then retail the next week. You have had more than 19,000 cases of COVID, over 1,000 deaths, and have been in the downward curve, it looks like, for only about four or five days. But you have also had one million Ohioans file for unemployment. So, so tell me how you decided to reopen. How you balance that health risk versus economic risk?
10: Well, we're trying to do it very carefully, and uh, you know, we're trying to do two things at once. I told Ohioans Friday, I said we can we can do two things at once. We can remain very very careful, uh, keep this keep the social distancing, uh, you know, wear masks when out in, in public. Um, and what we did is we put a business group together, actually a number of different business groups, uh, to look at every business sector and to come back with best practices. So when we open tomorrow in regard to uh, a lot of businesses as well as uh, office, uh, it's going to be based upon really best practices that were laid out by people in in those businesses who do that. We're going to move forward on that with, with restaurants in a, in a, in a week or so. And uh, that's going to be by a group that, you know, of restaurant uh, folks big and small who've kind of laid out. This is the way to do it. So uh, we're balancing it. We're going to keep our eye on the numbers. Uh, you know, we've had a fairly flat uh, really for about two weeks was hospitalizations and that, you know we're certainly going to continue to keep an eye on that so it is it is a balancing thing uh, we, we got to bring the economy back, uh, but we also have to continue to protect people and one of the things I've emphasized with Ohioans is it's not so much my orders or the health director's orders is it is what we all do in our individual lives and how careful we are and we can continue to do that and Governor, let's talk
7: about that. You you did something that not too many politicians do. You did an about face. You first announced that everyone would be required to wear face masks when retail opened, and then you reversed yourself when some of your citizens said it was offensive. Talk me through the thinking on that, because you were just talking about face masks.
10: Face masks are very important and our our business group came back and said, you know, every employee, for example, uh, should wear a face mask. So we're continuing that, uh, whether it's retail or or wholesale, whatever it is, manufacturing, every employee is going to have the face mask but it became very clear to me uh after we put out the, the the order uh that everyone in retail who walked into a store as a customer would have to do that it became clear to me that that was just a bridge too far that people were were not going to accept the government telling them what to do uh and so we put out you know dozens and dozens of orders uh that was one that it just went too far but at the same time we pulled that back i said look this is highly recommended uh, this is uh, for most people. It's unless you've got a physical reason, you can't wear the mask. And we understand that. But when you go into a retail store, that is the kind thing to do, because I worry and we should all worry about the folks who are stocking shelves in, in grocery stores. Uh, the people who are at the checkout line who work there all day. And we got to try to protect them. So. Again, it's what individual Ohio ones do. They've been great going through this. We, we flattened the curve. Uh, people have stayed home. They've kept their social distance and we just got to continue to do that. So my ability to communicate to the people of Ohio, frankly, I thought was going to be really impeded, uh, and we would get hung up on the mandatory mask for someone going in as a customer, uh, and it just wasn't going to work. And so you, you got to know what you can do and, and what you can't do.
7: And, and Governor, their, their reaction to the coronavirus has really created a kind of partisan divide. A new ABC News Ipsos poll shows that Democrats are more concerned about contracting the virus while Republican respondents would be more likely to get out if and when the rules change. Republicans are twice as likely to eat at a restaurant, work out at a gym, and get a haircut, and they were three times as likely to attend a sporting event and four times as likely to stay in a hotel. Why do you think we have that partisan divide?
10: Uh, I'm not really sure. I'm not sure, um, you know, you've got you've got those figures. I've not heard those figures before, uh, but... I think generally, uh, Republicans are less inclined to have the government tell them what to do. And that's generally how I am. Uh, you know, I, I'm a conservative Republican. I think, you know, we're better off not having the governor, government tell us what to do, but we are in a health crisis. And, but what we are trying to do in Ohio, uh, is to move from orders that we put out where we said we have to close this. We're now in a phase where, yeah, we've got a few orders out there, but we're starting really uh, pretty aggressively to phase business back in. And what it's going to depend on now is how individual Ohioans react to this. And if they continue, which I believe they will, to keep the social distancing.
7: I just want to ask you, if you see cases begin to spike, will you go back to closing things down?
10: We're, We're going to watch numbers every single day. And we're going to communicate those numbers to the people of Ohio. That's one of the things we've done. We we do a press conference virtually every day. And we try to give them the data that we're looking at. So if we're starting to see those numbers, the people of the state are going to see those numbers. And, you know, we'll have to take action.
7: Thanks so much for joining us this morning, Governor DeWine, and best health to all of you. Up next, we'll speak to the chairs of the Republican and Democratic National Committees exclusively. What will Election Day look like six months from now in the age of the coronavirus? Can the parties really hold their conventions? Those questions and so many more. Next.
0: Now, for those that are new to the show, remember, she cried on election night. She wept for the loss. Because she's a liberal piece of shit. She didn't try to screw in a vet thing, even though she's covered a lot of vet stuff. She's never been a good reporter for vets. We've never looked at her as like, yeah, she's going to get the straight skinny. She's going to get biased because she's a liberal hack. But you hear the whole tenor of that. Even the opening states are slowly opening, but the fight is far from over as the death toll continues to rise. How is coronavirus transforming the race for the White House? Will there be conventions and campaign rallies? Blah, 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 blah. And then she kicks into it. A step-by-step approach seems to be exactly what Ohio Governor Mike DeWine has prescribed for his state. And he joins us now. Governor, you were on the early side of closures and have had now taken a phased approach, reopening, manufacturing, construction, open tomorrow, then retail next week. You have had more than 19,000 cases and over 1,000 deaths and have been in the downward curve, it looks like, For only about four or five days. But you have also had one million Ohioans file for unemployment. So tell me how you decided to reopen. How do you balance health risk versus economic risk? Because once again, the plan is, you're going to kill grandma because you just want to worry about the economy. Aren't you a piece of shit? Yet they'll use the economy falling apart as a cudgel against Trump. Kind of hypocritical if you're just a normal bystander. Her next thing, Governor, let's talk about, you did something not too many politicians did. You did an about-face. You first announced that everyone would be required to wear a face mask when retail opened. Then you reversed yourself. And when when some of your citizens said it was offensive, talk me through the thinking. Huge article today. You won't read it, but I'll, I'll just mention it now. The new culture wars face masks. There are people online saying when somebody walks past me without a face mask, I say I say they're telling me to go fuck myself. Because now that's a new shame. If you're not wearing a face mask, you're a piece of shit. Yeah, none of their people wear a face masks. We had a whole Trump didn't wear a face mask at a t- face mask plant, and the media went crazy over it today. The next one, and governor the reacts the coronavirus has really created a kind of partisan divide. Even though there is no partisan divide, the media has made it. Remember, the South. So they go to an iPost poll. Post shows that Democrats are more concerned about con- contracting the virus, while Republican respondents would be more likely to get out if they, if and when the rules change. Republicans are twice as likely to eat at a restaurant, work out at a gym, and get a haircut. And they were three times likely to attend a sporting event, and four times as likely to stay in a hotel. Why do you think we have that partisan divide? He, of course, just goes, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> and moves on. Now, I could break down the whole show and how... The RNC head comes out she gets pushback. Tom Perez comes on, he could just say whatever the fuck he wants. Zero pushback from Raditz. But I won't. I'll just go to the poll. And it's the next level of this to show you how they air it, how the poll was, and then how they put out the poll ABC. So if you go to Icepus. Most Americans not ready to return to public activities. They don't talk about any partisan divide or anything. New ABC News IPAS poll shows that even if social distancing restrictions are lifted tomorrow, most are unlikely to return to pre-COVID activities. According to the new ABC IPAS poll, a strong majority of Americans would be unlikely to resume activities where big groups are present even if corona-related restrictions were lifted tomorrow. However, partisanship plays a role in decision making, with Republicans more likely than Democrats to resume activities they did pre-COVID. Now, understand, ISPUS is supposed to be a a non-biased entity that does polling. So, what is the partisan design? Now, just break it down. ABC has it up front. The poll has it buried. These are the actual numbers. Less than one in four would be likely to go to places where big crowds tend to gather for leisure activities, including a movie theater, 24%, bowling alley, 22%, bar, 21%, or a sporting event in a large stadium, 20%. So basically what you then did is took one in four and broke it, broke it, broke it, broke it down to self-identified Republicans So you could bash Republicans. But we're talking the number is minuscule. Icepuss at least says the majority say we're not going to do this. ABC, oh fuck no. We're going to get those goddamn Red Staters. Next line, Americans are more open to going to restaurants, churches, and sending their children to school, but a majority still say they would be unlikely to do these activities. The restrictions were lifted tomorrow. Forty-five percent of parents with school-aged children would be likely to send their kids back. More than one in three say they're not likely at all. all among those that previously attended church or ate in restaurants, less than half, 46 and 44, are likely to return. Only going to work, 77%, and getting a haircut, 51%, see majorities of America. Across the board, Republicans show a great likelihood to return these activities. The Democrats, the greatest difference are at attending church, staying in a hotel, and eating at a restaurant. But once again, you are looking at minuscule numbers. One of four. 25, under 25%. That's where you came up with these numbers, but they wanted to get a dig at Republicans. Then you go into it. This poll was conducted 11th through 12th of March. It shows all the dates. And the exact date they did this was April 29th. The poll is based on a national representative probable sample of 518 people. So you're one in four Jesus Christ, folks, we're talking a 100 people. Said it. The study was conducted in English and Spanish. The data were weighed to adjust for gender by age, race education, region, metropolitan status, household income, and party affiliation. The demographic benchmarks came from the 2019 March supplement of the U.S. Census Bureau, which means we weighed it to the left. Race, Hispanic, ethnicity, other than 2 plus race, education, census region, household income, party ID, Democrat, Republican, independent, other none. The margin of sampling error is 5.3%. They only have a 95% confidence level. And you only polled 580 people and then you took it out. The one I had, what, what 3,000 people, majority, said so they want to go back to work? But this is what they do. Remember, stats. You can make it say whatever the fuck you want. Then you go to the ABC article, Americans uneasy and the top line. Republicans are more likely to Democrats to be willing to restart activities. They go in there and say the same numbers, but they never actually say hey this is a very small sampling we're talking 518 people is all they talk to but they don't take that cuz that's our media that's what they do when they want to hammer a liberal point they just go get a poll and they cook the books I mean, anybody out there, even if you're liberal, think for a second. You were told since 2012 Hillary Clinton was going to be the next president. And by the very end, they still had 10-point win in some polls. And then when it was all said and done, pieces of shit like Chuck Todd said, well, the sampling error was 3%, so... They still try to play it. And then they flipped it to the elect, they went to the popular vote and said, well, she won by 4%. They can make it be whatever they want because that's what they do. This is our media. They're fucking hacks. They're just fucking hacks. So, wasn't Kuki Roberts... But it was still a great study in media bias. The polling company themselves is a left-leaning company. But at least they tempered Republicans more. wasn't the big line. It was just in there. But ABC led with Republicans, red states, bad people. Bad people. You're all bad. So I wanted to start the show with it. Next thing is... In line with our, well, we had the fucking Pulitzer Prize shit, the eight worst fake news stories of Trump years, the P-Tape, number one, number two, Flynn deal Mueller, three, CNN botches WikiLeaks email exclusives, I forgot about this one few days later, on December 8th, CNN published an early morning story by correspondent Maju Raju and Jeremy Herb claiming Trump's campaign team received an email from WikiLeaks on September 4th with decryption key and website address to hacked Wiki documents. That would not be publicly revealed until September 13th. Was this finally some proof of collusion? In the morning and into the afternoon, all the CNN programs proudly touted a breaking news banner with CNN exclusive and read the following email reveal effort to give Trump campaign WikiLeaks... It turned out the email actually went out on September 14th after the information was available to anyone that afternoon after hours of breathless hype, CNN issued an on-air correction read by Raju. How many of those have CNN had? Seriously. Number four, Donald Trump's secret Russian agent. That was Michelle Goldberg. Brian Seltzer brought it out fucking bullshit five liberal tv nets trumpet phony cnn exclusive on july 26th jim scudo and carl bernstein appear on cuomo to drop an exclusive bombshell claim that michael cohen would be tell federal investigators that trump knew of the infamous trump tower meeting it was all a lie o'donnell reckless deutsch bank scoop i remember that one that went nowhere seven blaming trump for racist mass killings Grotesquely seeking to exploit horrific tragedies for political advantages... Some in the media actually accuse the president of inspiring or otherwise supporting brutal mass killings in 2019. The president needs to, at some point, look in the mirror. Matthew Dowd charged after a synagogue shooting that left 11 dead in April that year after a horrible shooting in El Paso, Texas, in which the government singled out Latinos, killing 23 TV viewers. Once again, her journalists aimed the blame at the president. If you're a white supremacist, you find the president's word possibly inspirational, possibly possibly comforting, Nina Malika Henderson said. The problem, a hair of Harvard research trying to duplicate the study found political rallies had no effect on hate crimes, but Washington Post said it had a 226% increase in hate crimes. In fact, using the same methodology would actually show Clinton rallies contributed an even greater increase in hate incidents than Trump rallies. Oops. Harvard said. We covered that on the show. That was a good one. NBC News in light of all this, Andy Lacks dumped, and what's the big thing that came out of that? It's probably because he hired Megan Kelly. <laughs> That's why Jesus fucking Christ. So while while all this is going on, Don Lemon hasn't had enough clickbait. So he decided I'm gonna go to the airwaves. And dog Trump's family. Everybody wants the
9: economy to, to come back. Come on. People are hurting. Millions of jobs lost. Millions of people not sure where to get the money to pay the rent and put food on the table. But the president wants to be able to showcase an economic recovery. It's his ace in the hole with Election Day just six months away. And he just can't seem to muster the kind of compassion that we need from our president. He just wants to turn the page, to get you to think about something, anything other than one of the worst crises in this nation's history. Look in the mirror, Mr. President. It's you. And this is nothing but a shameless attempt to distract from your own administration's mishandling of a crisis that's cost over 67,000 American lives. And by the way, You were warned about a pandemic like this by the Obama administration. By the way, what is it about President Obama that really gets under your skin? Is it because he's smarter than you? Better educated? Made it on his own? Didn't need daddy's help? Wife is more accomplished? Better looking. I don't know, what is it? What is it about him? That he's a black man that's accomplished, became president. That he punked you on the whole birth certificate thing. What is it about him? Just wondering.
0: I seriously ask this in in all sincerity. How the fuck does that guy have a TV show? I'm in my fucking basement and that piece of shit has a TV show. Really? Because he's gay. Did he suck Andy Lack's dick? I'm just asking. I know it's vulgar, but I just got to ask. How the fuck does he have a TV show? I mean, my God, the only thing you know about Don Lemon is when he has a fucking meltdown. Robbie Starbucks, this is CNN Don Lemon, watch this and try to tell me he's objective, he's not. He's also incredibly disrespectful to our first lady in this clip. The fakest of fake news. Fake journalist Don Lemon. What is it about President Trump that gets under your skin? Is it that he won when you did not want him to? That he's becoming has a booming economy? That he's better looking, better educated, more accomplished? That's Carmen Sabina. I don't think any of that's true. Uh, Candy Lab. This is not a journalist. He's an insecure child man looking for attention. My problem is he plays the anchor role when he's basically Sean Hannity on the other side of the political aisle, and that's always my point. Uh, our media is so... Oh, look at Fox. Fox is so fucked up. Jesus fucking Christ. At least Fox plays news during the day. I'm not going to say they're not right-leaning. I'm just saying they play news. CNN, MSNBC, from dawn till dusk. It's all left all the time. They don't have a straight journalist on their network. Fox can say they have Brett Baer and Wallace. And and you know they're doing something because they come up on Twitter feeds all the time. People want them fired on the right. The Trump train wants them fired. But it, who can you say on CNN that's a journalist? Anybody. I mean, it usually is the person that goes in the press room, Acosta. But goddamn, Acosta's probably whiny because he's doing the same thing I did. Did Don Lemon suck Andy (laughs) Laxtech? Did he get his job that way? He probably says it because he's like, I can be better than that motherfucker. I'll get you some clickbait, motherfuckers. So I have a half an hour soundbite. I'm not going to play it all. I'm going to play some of it. I'm just going to edit shit out and just kind of get it down to like 10, 15 minutes. But it's been so bad lately that I stumbled across the top 10 delusional Donald Trump and GOP's villains deadlier than Vietnam. Understand, Newsy, who had the balls to do at a press briefing... She gets brought on. We're going to play that in a bit with Brian Seltzer. I mean, it's just like softball to her, hardball to somebody else. But here's the top ten. American dying every day because Trump is not well. Joe Scarborough. We played it. What many journalists secretly think. I don't want an investigation. I want a coronation of Joe Biden. Would he make a great president? Unlikely. Would he make a good president? Good enough. Would he make a better president than the present occupation? Absolutely. I don't want justice, whatever that may be. I want to win. The removal of Donald Trump from office and Mr. Biden is our best chance. That is New York Times bureau member, Politico co-founder, Martin Tolchin. That guy is... Politico is supposed to be... A straight up Washington thing, and I used to always bitch about it when I argued to people on the internet because they only went on MSNBC. So how could you be straight up news if you're only on MSNBC? But yeah, piece of shit. Number eight, unfair that decent human being Biden hurt by sexual assault allegations. We just played that one. Seven, America at the mercy of delusional, unstable Trump. That's Bernstein. I hate that guy. Lemon accuses Trump of having Obama envy. Yeah, we just played that. Trump, a danger to the GOP, America, the world. Christine, i poor. Trump inciting violence on the view. That's number four. Three, Republicans will be remembered as villains. Republican leaders need to acknowledge the reality of the situation. They need to intervene. They need to convince President Trump to defer to the experts and focus on the needs of not his ego, but the sick and the dying and the people trying to care for them. There's going to be a history of this era written, and those who are pretending this irresponsibility is not happening, they will be remembered as villain villains. Who was that? Jake fucking Tapper, a supposed journalist on CNN. He's the closest to a journalist you could find during the day. Brooke Baldwin, nah. That other bimbo with the blonde hair, nah. Nightly crew, not a single one. Number two, Trump's clown show led to 40,000 dead Americans. That's Steve Schmidt. And number one, blatantly obnoxious attempt to bait Trump. If an American president loses more Americans over the course of six weeks than die in the entire Vietnam War, does he deserve... To be reelected, Olivia Newsy. Yeah. I'm going to play a bonus on this. It won't be the full 10, because, like I said, it's 30 minutes. I'm simultaneously going to play two Cuomo sound bites. Because remember, he's a journalist too, supposedly, even though he does consulting work for his Democrat brother.
11: Well, a question for the press and all Americans and the senators and the congressmen that needs to be raised is, are we at the mercy of a delusional, unstable president uh, at the moment that we have lost more lives than in any event since World War II? And what are the prices that we are paying for a president who is more concerned with his re-election efforts, uh, with attacks on the press, rather than addressing through fact this horrible medical crisis? that is afflicting this country and the world through sensible decision making uh, instead of tirades who can imagine a president of the united states while we are losing thousands and thousands of americans on this battlefield we have watched repeatedly this irresponsible reckless president talk about how he's going to get himself reelected and about his enemies and about the press and about until Four weeks ago, how this was a hoax, this pandemic manufacturing.
6: Susan Page, he went on to say the most interesting thing, which was almost to express, uh, uh, to sympathize uh, with Joe Biden, though I find it notable that both of you contend this may not do it, this may not end it.
12: Mm.
13: Yeah, it, it may not. Uh, different tone. Donald Trump took a different tone than Joe Biden did in, in addressing these allegations. Here's here's one great irony. It, you know, the Me Too movement was in part uh, and the the, the energy that, that we've seen around women and around this issue is in part a, a reaction to Donald Trump's election. He helped create this landscape that has made it necessary For Joe Biden to take seriously and treat seriously these allegations by Tara Reid, as much as he would want to just dismiss them completely uh, out of hand. He he has to treat them with respect. We expect that now. Uh, And in part, that's because of of Donald Trump. And and here's another great unfairness uh, politically, which is for Donald Trump, these accusations did not cost him his brand, which is I can get things done. I can stand up Uh, for American interest. uh, I'm not afraid to be politically incorrect. Joe Biden's brand is, I'm a decent human being. I'm an empathetic man. And so these accusations go to something that's more central. Respect. They had the playbooks, the national security person wrote it, had it. They had
7: it, all the playbooks. They just didn't take it off the shelf. And that's my last question to you. Do you think, finally, that this president is a danger to the people of the United States? And to the world, certainly one of your former colleagues, Senator Jeff Flake, a Republican himself of Arizona, has said that he thinks so. And he thinks a sound defeat, not just a defeat, a sound defeat of the president in November is vital to save not just the country, but also the Republican Party. What do you make of that?
14: Well, number one, I agree with him that um, it's, if this is a very close election, we will continue to have a debate about these failed policies as if they were co- the correct policies. And so a big defeat is absolutely necessary to reestablish our global position, but also to get our country unified and back together.
15: Mr. President, I ask that you get checked out. Mm-hmm. I ask that you take a rest. I ask that you take care of yourself. Maybe let Mike Pence run things for the next week. You're not well. Let Mike Pence work with Dr. Fauci, work with Dr. Birx. It would be best for you politically. It would be best for the country medically. It would be best for the Republican Party politically. Mr. President, you're getting worse every day. You, You need to take a rest. You need to let Mike Pence actually run things for the next couple of weeks and come back when you're feeling a little better and when you can really actually focus on your job because you just can't do that right now. And Americans are dying every day because of it. Everybody wants the economy to, to come back.
9: Come on. People are hurting. Millions of jobs
15: lost. Americans over the
1: course of six weeks and died in the entirety of the Vietnam War. Does he deserve to be reelected?
8: So, yeah, we've lost a lot of people. But if you look at what original projections were, 2.2 million, we're probably heading to 60,000, 70,000. It's far too many. One person is too many for this. And I think we've made a lot of really good decisions. The big decision was closing the border or doing the ban. People coming in from China, obviously, other than American citizens, which had to come in. Can't say you can't come in. You can't come back to your country. I think we've made a lot of good decisions. I think that Mike Pence and the task force have uh, done a fantastic job. I think that everybody working on the ventilators, uh, you see what we've done there, have done unbelievable. The press doesn't talk about ventilators anymore. They just don't want to talk about them. And that's okay. For The reason they don't want to talk, that was a subject that nobody would get off of. They don't want to talk about them. Uh, we're in the same position on testing. We are lapping the world on testing. And the world is coming to us, as I said. They're coming. Right.
4: We're running out of words to describe this era. Republicans in Congress and in the Trump administration know that not only is the president failing to rise to this moment to, for example, get the nation on a path to widespread testing, the president's now making open ponderings about treatments that experts worry could actually harm people. His a-scientific, anti-scientific musings have been dangerous We saw this with his weeks of downplaying the virus. Two months ago today, the president said he'd done a good job since the U.S. had only 15 cases, which would soon go down to almost zero. Then the president was pushing the use of hydroxychloroquine. What have you got to lose, he said. Well, the FDA on Friday issued a caution against the use of that drug outside a hospital or a clinical trial due to the risk of heart rhythm problems. Republican leaders need to acknowledge the reality of the situation They need to intervene. They need to convince President Trump to defer to the experts and focus on the needs of not his ego, but the sick and the dying and the people trying to care for them. There is going to be a history of this era written. And those who are pretending this irresponsibility is not happening, they will be remembered.
6: You seem to have changed through this process. Um, You sound, you know... uh, Different. You, you know, you, you're taking on what's happening in the federal government. Some say that it is evidence of a shift in ambition. Some say that uh, going on shows like Ellen, where she's pumping your head up with helium about how great you are, and cover a Rolling Stone, uh, that you now, as we used to say in the neighborhood, think who you are. Do you believe that there has been a shift? in your ambitions and in your sense of yourself because of all these new friends you seem to have.
11: Yeah, some say I
6: shouldn't come on this show because you harass me. Too much for your accountability, me. Can't take at, it, want to pat at, on the back, at, no, no, love goes. It's, pers- it's ad hominem, ad hominem attacks. Don't speak Spanish Ellen, on my show. Uh, first I'm a fan of Ellen. To do Ellen's show was a pleasure for me. I'm a big fan of Ellen. Yes, she said nice things about yes, me. Yes, she did. Uh, which she didn't say about you, nope. but she was
11: just telling the truth.
6: Uh, and uh, nothing about me has changed. I haven't been in the basement. I haven't had my wife shear my hair uh, out of resentment. None of that has happened to me. I'm just doing my job. Which is what I've always done. I'm the word the from old, the uh, word from the governors and the consortium is great idea. Like working with you on the policy level, you talk about yourself in the third person. True or false? <laughs> it's not a denial. True or not false just, that you say Cuomo thinks? Cuomo says false. we should ask false. Andrew. Are you sure? False. False. Do you think false. that you are an attractive person now because you're single and ready to mingle? Do you really think? you are some desirable single person, and that this is not just people's pain coming out of them?
11: I think beauty is in the eye of the beholder.
6: Listen to you. you got an answer for anything. You're feeling pretty good about yourself these days, aren't you? So look, the facts are not in dispute, not on this show. No state has met the relatively relaxed standard of 14 days of fewer cases to reopen. The question has become, is the goal still to save lives in this country? It seems the measure has changed. And America is deciding what to do now on the basis of how much death is okay as the price of getting back to work and play. Increasingly, life seems to be getting pretty cheap in America. Are you okay with that? The governor of the state where much of this first hit is not okay with it. In fact, he says he's infuriated with the state of play and he will tell you why why doesn't he unite this country behind that desperation of fact instead of dividing we need the reality and you will get it from governor jay Inslee of washington he just extended stay home orders in his state until the end of the month invoking the wrath of gop lawmakers there they're actually suing him claiming there is no longer an emergency he says there is and it's a battle of life and death Governor, thank you for joining us. You bet. Thank you. So your state is a very interesting examination of the current state of play, of the tension between uh, safety and reopening. You're actually being sued by the Republicans in your state. What is your perspective on what this lawsuit is about?
8: Well, it's about – biological ignorance and kind of human heartlessness. And I think that's the best way I could describe it. Yeah, that's a journalist yucking it up
0: with his brother and then once again going after the fucking people that want to go back to work. It must be nice to have a paycheck and sit on an ivory tower and talk down to people. It must feel good. So the Pulitzer came out. Panel rewards anti-Trump liberals compares journos... To first responders. Yeah, I'm not going to play it. It was 16 minutes, but I got the transcript. and out the latest Pulitzer Prize on Monday, and once again, the liberal tilt was all over the selections of the ceremony itself. Dana Kennedy, the administrator of the prize, is a former New York Times reporter, and she began by uncorking an echo of the Times advertisement. The truth is more important now than ever. Dana Kennedy. It goes without saying that today we announced the Pulitzer winners deeply tiring times. Ironically, the first time the prizes were presented on June 1917, less than a year before the Spanish flu pandemic. Throughout America's challenge, greatest challenge, two world wars, the depression, the Vietnam War, uh, assassination of MLK and JFK, as well as 9-11, the Pulitzer prizes have continued to celebrate excellence in journalists and arts and letters because it's difficult times, the Pulitzers may be more important than ever. Canada even compared journalists to first responders and medical. During this season of unprecedented uncertainty, one thing we know for sure is that journalism never stops. And much like our courageous first responders and frontline healthcare workers, journalists are running toward the fire. Katie Tour said that. A fucking hack who fucks Keith Oberman. She said that. So this is the person in charge of these prestigious awards touting a B player on MSDNC. Really. Despite relentless assaults on objective truth-coordinated efforts to undermine our nation's free press and persistent economic headwinds, journalists continue to pursue and deliver essential facts and truths to keep us safe and to protect our democracy. They are risking, and far too often, losing their lives at times when their words, their images, and their revelations are more necessary to our democracy than ever. Oh, really? While many awards had a liberal tinge, two were obviously awards for resisting Trump and the newly created audio reporting category, NPR's This America Life won for an episode called The Out Crowd, which illuminated the personal impact of Trump's administration policy to make immigrants remain in Mexico until they could be admitted. And the editorial cartooning cartoon, the winner, our category, sorry, the winner was Barry Blit of The New Yorker for work that skewers the personalities and policies of man, a man emanating from the Trump White House with deceptively sweet watercolor styles and seemingly gentle characters. That's what they actually said. Over the previous three years, four Pulitzer Prize reporting were handed out for exposing Donald Trump's apparently shady deals with Russia. In the previous eight years, there's not a single reporting prize handed out for exposing anything about a Barack Obama or his team. In fact, Philip Kennecott of the Washington Post won a prize for criticism with a packet of clips that included a 2012 ode to a photo of Barack and Michelle Obama hugging sent out after he won the re-election, which appealed to the most cult-like sense of affection many Americans feel for the couple. For the most controversial 2020 prize winner and commentary to Nicole Hannah-Jones of the New York Times for the widely criticized Faked History 1619 Project. <clears throat> we have quite a few articles on that today. We have it in race and we have it up front. Washington Post gets a Pulitzer for a series on climate change. Yeah. Climate. Climate change. Yeah. Karazka, new, the Pulitzer Prizes. Congratulations to Hannah Jones, uh, publisher, uh, Pulitzer. Yes, congratulations to Cole Hannah Jones, a genius behind the 1619 Project. Ida Bay Wells, the 1619 Project online today, published online today, and it was my profound hope that we we'll reframe for our readers the way we understand our nation, the legacy of slavery, and the, most importantly, the unparalleled role black people have played in democracy. <clears throat> Her article, America wasn't a democracy until black Americans made it one. Our founding ideals of liberty and equality were false when they were written for generations. Black Americans have fought to make them true. Mar- Robert Mariani, this isn't outrageous because the 169 project was a left-wing ideological push. It's outrageous because all serious historians that have examined it, including far-left ones, agree that it's pseudo-history. Stephen Miller, reminder. The head of the New York Times much hyped sixteen nineteen project concedes she got it wrong when she reported that one of the primary reasons the colonists revolted against England was to preserve institution of slavery. Journalist Nicole Hannah Jones claims now that she meant to say some of the colonists fought to preserve slavery. Not all of them. The admission comes seven months after the faulty assertion first appeared in a New York Times package of essays. And had nothing to do. Ben McDonald, laugh my ass off. You almost have to laugh at this point. It's just so stupidly predictable. Dan McLaughlin, you know I know, and everybody else knows, nothing full as, of as many shoddy errors and untruths, the subject of such withering scholarly rebuttal as the 1619 Project, would be awarded such an accolade if it politics were of the right. Yeah, no shit. Um, the most fundamental fault of the 1619 Project was precisely its combination of ideological goals and poor quality control. The lies directly at the feet of the editing. A good and honest editor could and should have turned its raw material into a genuinely educational project. But they don't do that. They want shock now. <clears throat> Joe Gabriel Simmonson, absolute disgrace and further undermines any journalist who receives this award. The project was a farce and demonstrated plummeting journalistic standards in the Trump era. A cynical disaster will now be the thousands of primary school curriculum and only further contribute to abject or deteriorating standards of our public stools, schools. In his stepman, Pulitzer Prize 1619 project denounced by historians on the left and right and totally devoid of historical accuracy. A curriculum based on lies of 1619 project is already being taught in 3,500 schools. Drew Holden, the 2020 Pulitzer Prize winning piece for commentary, explicitly denies objectivity. What, as the saying goes, a time to be alive? He tweets, Hannah Jones, the 1690 project explicitly denies objectivity. We state in the intro that this was a reframing of history and sought to center black contributions in the narrative. This has been my primary problem with this so-called criticism. People engage critiques, but not the actual project. What the fuck? Um, that's enough on that. Head of the Pulitzer Prize Committee runs with MSNBC Anchor's analogy for brave journalists. And I said it, but it's so funny that others caught it. Curtis Hoke. Oh, my God. The head of the Pulitzer Prize Committee just said that during this pandemic, journalists running towards a fire. She literally embraced the firefighter analogy. Grocery store clerks are risking more than most journalists right now. Matt Brown, based on most coverage I've read from most journalists, the growing grocery clerks clerks are also engaging much more critical thinking while doing their job. Isn't that the truth? Drew Holden, I've been waiting for today for a long time for precisely this reason. We've always known journos were the real heroes. Just ask them. They would be more than happy to tell you how important they are. Journalists are like the kings of ridiculous, inflated sense of self-importance. And lastly, didn't they try to kick out Chanel Rihanna White House press briefings under guise that she was endangering them by getting too close? And that is true. So, to rebut this, <clears throat> one soundbite, and then we'll get into the ones I really want to fucking go crazy on. Um... Here is an ex-Obama aide on CNN with an ex-Biden aide. Two people from the previous administration on the air
11: as air quote journalist. Given the president's effort, a broader effort to blame China for, for the outbreak, are, are you worried about political influence? on the intelligence itself and the intelligence community here
16: i am um, i think what we're seeing is a continued pattern of trying to politicize the intelligence community kind of putting a thumb on the scale by having multiple political statements uh... that are again divorced from what the career intelligence professionals are saying and and the other thing is here uh, jim you know in the discussion with the reporters in this segment There's discussion about retaliation and potential sanctions. Even if the United States wants to go that road, uh, the problem is if you don't have your allies on board, if you're completely isolated, if we, the United States, are completely isolated uh, in making our case – well, the effect of sanctions is quite minimal. So there is me- there are many, many reasons why you want to be working in coordination with your allies, both on the intelligence side and more broadly, because you won't have the effect that you're even trying to achieve if you don't bring your allies on board.
11: Now, that ship sadly seems to have sailed, has it not? I mean, if anything, we're seeing a greater focus on attacking, well, certainly attacking China, but, but on steps uh, designed, it seems, to make the U.S. an island in its response to this, right? You know, even steps to reduce or, or stop immigration, right? Part of another agenda that preceded the pandemic. Do you see this administration course correcting on this as it goes forward? No,
16: I don't. No, I mean, it's the. I think you're quite right. the The course has been set here, and it's a and it's a course that has us really facing entirely inward. And when it comes to global health security, I think that's very, very dangerous.
0: How is that objectivity? I mean, we've done this. If you go back in the catalog, the connections to Democrats in our media is just fucking horrific. Considering that 98% of them live in blue districts, 98% of them voted for Hillary, 98% of them say they are liberals when asked. And I would say close to 60% have worked for... Jake Tapper himself... Worked for Democrats. Chuck Todd worked for Democrats. His wife is a Democrat consultant. Best friends with Jennifer Palmieri. Staphalophagous, Clinton. Cuomo, an advisor for his Democrat brother. You know, fuck, name one. Name a journalist that isn't connected to the Democratic Party. But that's journalism. And then you
15: have this... Newsy chick.
0: And, Lizza, uh, what is it?
12: uh, So now you're joining me on the webcam together. Thank you very much. (laughs) Y'all were both at one of the president's press conferences earlier in the week uh, out in the Rose Garden. You both asked him questions. And, Olivia, you received a lot of blowback for your question. Let's play it first and then talk about it.
1: If an American president loses more Americans over the course of six weeks than died in the entirety of the Vietnam War, does he deserve to be reelected?
12: Some GOP operatives and pro-Trump media allies acted very offended by that question. Why did you think it was important to ask?
1: well I, I think it's important to put the question directly to Trump and to learn how he is thinking about these things and to his credit obviously he often will attack the person asking the question if he doesn't like it he'll just sweat that way by creating sight in the media he did not do that in this case this was the last question of the briefing maybe he just wanted to get it over with uh, but he did seem to take it seriously although he did not answer it directly and he did not appear to be offended at all uh, so I was very surprised when uh, many of many of his allies in the Right-wing media uh, came after me for
12: so that a little bit of shakiness on the shot we'll see if we get it back you know for the last six weeks we most have been using these webcams trying to keep in touch with people let's see if we've got her back uh, you guys hear me now hmm. not sure if we have it or not Ryan let's see if you can hear me <coughs> Yeah, Brian, can you hear me okay? Yeah, sounds great. I love that you have a fire going behind you. This work-from-home life, you know, for those of us lucky enough to have work right now, uh, is is quite interesting. Look, Ryan, I wonder if you think it matters that Kayleigh McEnany held a press briefing. You know, there's been all this attention about the briefings, whether they're happening. Uh, Did it matter that she was up there for the first time in over a year since Stephanie Grisham never held a briefing during her tenure? I think it, look, I,
3: I'm, I know there's a big debate about these briefings. I think it's always better to hear from White House officials than not. So the debate over whether you should broadcast them live is a separate issue, but it's always better for us to have the opportunity to go in the White House and put questions to the people in power and the people who represent the president. Um, whether that means uh, you're going to get the answers you want, obviously, is a whole separate question, but it's certainly better to have access and responses and have the ability to ask anything um, you want.
12: Yeah. And, Olivia, you made the argument uh, just, recently the, that these should be broadcast wall to wall, because if we only show sound bites from the president, we actually make him sound more coherent than he actually is. I mean, I hate to say that, but I think you're right, Olivia.
1: Yeah, I remember you and I talking about this on this show back in November of 2019 when uh, this Guardian editor wrote this column that I referenced in my piece Mm -hmm. about being so stunned when she saw Donald Trump in full for the first time at a a press conference because he sounds so much less coherent than he does when he is filtered through newsprint or through news coverage. Uh, Just by design, by the way that we report the news, we have to make him sound more coherent than he is at times. And when you were forced to sit through a two-hour, two-and-a-half-hour-long briefing, you realize that it is a lot more difficult to discern uh, the actual meaning of his words, and that I believe we are actually helping him articulate a message. This argument that uh, airing the briefings live is somehow uh, helping his campaign, it's free media, I don't really buy it. I think if it were for another candidate, you could make that argument. With Donald Trump, I think Sunlight is the best disinfectant, and I heard from Donald Trump that both of those things cure diseases. <laughs> yeah, right. Yes, can we have?
0: you know that question is so biased and it comes as we proved on the show from the left it is unbelievable somebody would have the balls to do it and if you notice through the whole thing she just said Trump now remember under Obama when you just said Obama as a white person you were a racist piece of fucking shit no POTUS there's no POTUS anymore, not even president. They, they didn't say Trump. Now, that was her soundbite. It's going to be doubled up now because listen to the beginning of the same show, how he talked to her and how he talked to a non-prog. Yeah, Brian, yes, can please, I
3: yeah, please? can I add, just add one point on the blowback that Olivia got and I and others have gotten from the questions that you ask at these briefings. Um, I've been to three of them recently and I'm always surprised by the, you know, the social media reaction, especially on the right. Right now, there is this view that we as reporters who go to the White House and go to these, uh, especially the Trump briefings, that the only thing reporters are supposed to be doing there is, um, getting more information, right, uh, about the coronavirus response. And it leaves out this whole set of categories of questions, uh, about accountability And, um, some of the, one of the issues that, uh, Olivia raised. And there's this sort of policing right now on the right that it's an an argument that reporters only, you're only there to, you know, find out uh, a little bit more about what state is opening, uh, uh, you know, some very technical, specific informational question, and the broader, more, um, hey, you said this, now you're saying that this, how, why did you change your mind, or questions of accountability, that that's all somehow showboating or um, not, you know, not real journalism. And that's just wrong and has never uh, been the case since I've been covering the White you
5: pledge never to lie to us from that podium? I will never lie to you. You have my word on that.
12: But then she proceeded to deceive, misquoting FBI notes regarding that former National Security Advisor Michael Flynn we mentioned a few minutes ago. She also downplayed comparisons between uh, President Trump and Joe Biden uh, when it comes to issues involving sexual harassment and assault. She implied that Trump had not been accused of sexual misconduct in years, uh, leaving out E. Jean Carroll's allegations that surfaced uh, about, about a year ago. Maybe the New York Times put it best in this headline in print on Saturday, new press aide vowed never to lie. That was the first lie. Hmm. With me now are two Washington correspondents who are working at home, living at home together. New York Magazine's Olivia Nuzzi and Puttico's Ryan Lizza. Uh, What is it? uh, So now you're joining me on the webcam together. Thank you very much. (laughs) Y'all were both at one of the president's press conferences earlier in the week uh, out in the Rose Garden. You both asked him questions. And, Olivia, you received a lot of blowback for your question. Let's play it first and then talk about it.
5: If an American president loses
1: more Americans over the course of six weeks than died in the entirety of the Vietnam War, does he deserve to be reelected?
12: Some GOP operatives and pro-Trump media allies acted very offended by that question. Why did you think it was important to ask?
1: Well, I, I think it's important to put the question directly to Trump and to learn how he is thinking about these things. And to his credit, obviously, he often will attack the person asking the question if he doesn't like it. He'll just deflect that way by creating site in the media. He did not do that in this case. This was the last question of the briefing. Maybe he just wanted to get it over with. Uh, but he did seem to take it seriously, although he did not answer it directly, and he did not appear to be offended at all. Uh, so I was very surprised when uh, many of his, many of his allies in the right-wing media, uh, came after me that.
12: A little bit of shakiness on the shot, we'll see if we get it back.
1: That
0: is the odd mudsman, odd buds I can never say it. The media guy. He is the media guy. He's supposed to be holding the media accountable on CNN. But you could tell He got off on Newsy. He got off on them dogging Trump. Not the president. Trump. Because that's what they do. That's how they operate. But yet they give themselves awards for being fucking firefighters. It, It was just a perfect synopsis. You got fucking piece of shit this week, and then you hand out the Pulitzers, and you compress this down to, you're giving each other awards for being the biggest liberal. That's what it is. If you score enough clickbait, and you dog Republicans, well, goddamn, we're with you. So, moving into COVID, we're going to start with lockdown. You people that want to have food and leave your house, you're pieces of shit. As stated, I will play the sound bite, but I want to start with the New York a mass become a fla- flashpoint and the virus culture wars. Now, understand in here, they only talk about red states. That's all they talk about is red states. They don't talk about any blue states, they don't talk about this Massachusetts. Yeah, I know it's just a helicopter, but that's how big it was. Literally a gigantic fucking protest. And people online were like, hmm. Uh, Michael Fahey, protesters taken to the streets outside Massachusetts State House calling for the governor to reopen the state, protesting the state home advisory, some also appearing to be protecting, protesting the mask mandate. Johnny Utah, weird. I thought only hicks and red states were protesting. Drew Holden. Oh, man, look at all those silly anti-science hicks. Just one, what one would expect in Boston, Massachusetts. It's not a pandemic, Speaker claims. The reason why they're doing this is to turn America, United States of America, into the United Socialist States of America. Crowd now chanting, it's a hoax, it's a hoax, followed by Speaker saying that this is all an effort to crash an economy And hurt Trump's re-election. This is Massachusetts. Those goddamn red state hicks. But you didn't hear that in the New York Times. It was all Oklahoma, Atlanta. They started Atlanta because they're really leaning on they're going to kill those black people because they want to shorten the demographics. And then, of course, they didn't go into this goddamn train wreck. Lightfoot. Yeah, mayor of Chicago. To order all police
14: districts to give special attention to these parties. And this is how it's going to be. We will shut you down. We will cite you. And if we need to, we will arrest you and we will take you to jail. Period. There should be nothing unambiguous about that. Don't make us treat you like a criminal. But if you act like a criminal and you violate the law and you refuse to do what is necessary to save lives in the city in the middle of a pandemic, we will take you to jail, period. So that means if you host a party, if you promote a party, if you go to a party, we're not playing games. We mean business, and we are going to shut this down one way or the other. The time for educating people into compliance is over. Don't be stupid. Don't come out. Don't advertise on social media. We're watching you and we are going to take decisive action.
0: Mayor of Chicago heckled as she tries to personally enforce social distancing rules. Daily Caller, uh, Lori Life with the people We will shut you down. We'll cite you. We will arrest you. Gregory Pratt, after a news conference to crying house parties and telling people to stay home, Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot across the street to tell youth outside of school to go home. One man responded, y'all need to find a cure. You're taking it, talking about go home. You go home. <laughs> <laughs> Jesse Kelly, Chicago Mayor wants you to know she's not playing games. She'll send the cops after you and your law-breaking friend just as soon as she's done having a stylist touch up that crew cut. Yeah. She was another one that just, she goes out, I need my haircuts, to Blasio, I need to go to the gym. Tucker took her to task. Do the people of Chicago take Lori
17: Lightfoot seriously? How did a, def- a buffoon like that wind up in the mayor's office? Lori Lightfoot believes she has the power to imprison you if you talk about your weekend plans on Facebook. How did she get the power to do that? Well, that's still not clear. What is clear is that Lightfoot has no intention of following her own rules, living by her own restrictions. We know that because Lori Lightfoot recently broke her own quarantine in order to, and this is real, get her hair done. She got caught when her hairdresser blabbed about it on social media, but perhaps not surprisingly, she didn't seem ashamed in the slightest. Unlike you, she explained, Lori Lightfoot has to look good. I'm the public face of this city.
14: I'm on national media, and I'm out in the public eye. And, you know, I'm a a person who I take my personal hygiene very seriously. As I said, I felt like I needed to um, have a haircut. I'm not able to do that myself, and so I got a haircut.
17: I take my personal hygiene very seriously. I feel like I needed to have a haircut. The funny thing is, you may be feeling the same way. Maybe you take your personal hygiene seriously, too. Maybe you'd like a haircut. But are you Lori Lightfoot? Okay. Didn't think so. So shut up and get back to your smelly apartment. Stop complaining. And if you don't, you're a Nazi. That's their new line, which is really their old line. In fact, it's always their line. Disagree with them, and you are a Nazi. And because they've now lost all capacity for nuance... They're actually saying it out loud now. Over the weekend, CNN suggested that anti-lockdown protesters in Michigan were, in fact, white nationalists. Very much like the ones who marched in Charlottesville famously a few years ago. Because, of course, they are. They're disagreeing with the people in power. It must be Nazis.
0: Seriously, she looks like a fucking Muppet. A goddamn Muppet. Shame on you for voting her in. Um, Let's see. New York Times, the open up the economy people are truly the dumbest people on here. How do they think the economy will look when millions are dead in our hospitals? Somebody types that. Uh, and they retweeted the New York Times, we've never had to rely on anyone else, said one food bank visitor, but now pushed to the edge of hunger. Many unemployed New Jersey residents are asking for help for the first time. That's the problem with you lockdown people. You have money. Hey, I have plenty of money. I fucking made money off this shit. But I know we have to open. People don't have money. People don't have food. Michael Knowles, so instead of going on the wide open beach, everyone is being forced to crowd into the sidewalk. Smart stuff, Newsom. Just out of frame, multiple cops are patrolling along the tape, helicopters patrolling Huntington Beach, ordering people indoors. Is this America? Yeah, it is. And so is this. AJC breaking. Georgia verifies 1K new COVID-19 cases in 24 hours. One asked to wonder how many new cases were being reported during the lockdown in a 24-hour period. Read the story, went to look at the data, and, well, is not entirely sure where they're getting the 1,000 new cases in 24 hours. But whatever, data is a funny thing. It seems to be easily manipulated depending on the agenda. Charlotte Clymer, a journalist, she retweets it. I saw this before it became an article and said, sips coffee. The funny thing is, is she forgets social justice is a tricky thing, man. I mean, if it wasn't Atlanta, you'd be okay. Say it was Arkansas or Tennessee. You can do your northern elitist sips coffee, hope those Trump-supporting hicks who fuck their cousin die thing, and you can get away with it. But Atlanta's got a lot of black people. It isn't going to go over well for her, and it didn't. Charlotte Clymer, hi, folks. Need to clarify, this tweet is solely directed at Trump and Kemp's Constra- catastrophic handling of the crisis in Georgia. I would never dream of mocking victims who contact contract COVID. That's horrible plus disgusting. I apologize for communicating something here very much unintended, because here it comes. My dad passed away from COVID complications, toned down the smugness a notch. Despite all our frustrations with the genocidal protesters, black people are still going to bear the brunt of the death toll. Enjoy your sipping. Other people, more than 80% of hospitalized COVID people are black in Georgia. Mmm, man, this backfired big time for her. Becca, black people are literally dying in alarming rain in Georgia. And this is what you say? This is awful. What is wrong with you? Do you realize that many getting ill have no say in what the government does? Not surprised that someone who signed up for the military to George Bush would fetishize death like this. Weird thing to be happy about, but that's just me, because I think this is the tranny dude, Charlotte Clymer. I think it's a dude. Uh, I understand the urge to go, I told you so, but this is extraordinary. People suffering the choice of leaders, enjoying their pain is cruel. Charlotte K. K. Clymer. Hey, remind me again about who's most likely affected by the virus. Ah, that cherished female empathy, which makes women better suited to lead, (laughs) I fucking love it, eat that shit, bitch, eat it, I think, I think it's a dude, though, let me see, Charlotte Climber, is it a dude, yeah, it's a dude, It's an American activist and writer. She's a former press secretary, rapid response to the human rights campaign and American LGBTC civil rights. But it's a dude who got kicked out of the army because of Trump. That's how he made her phones. Yeah. Okay. And then then you got S.E. Cup. Once again, a person is getting paid every day, millions of dollars or hundreds of thousands. She's making money. S.E. Cup seems to think human beings are somehow immortal. As long as they stay in their homes. Otherwise, their outrage and shock over Chris Christie admitting no matter how cautious America is while opening back up, people are going to die. That's all he said. Her? New rule. Anyone who's not a doctor saying we have to just accept some deaths to reopen the country needs to take their family to a crowded place and serve food to anyone who needs it. Joe Pilot. Luckily, I'm a doctor saying it. By the way, feel free to come to work with me this morning to see patients. DM me. I'll give you the deets. Another one, she's also welcome to jump on a truck and help me deliver electrical supplies and equipment and constructions. I'm out here. A whole bunch of people that are just essential workers got on her. Uh, American, what the fuck happened to you, S.E. Cup? Uh, that's what I'm at. She used to be conservative, or at least libertarian. Queen Velvet, new rule, this guy's death's on you. Rest in peace. Corporal Rory Patrick Hamill, our brother-in-arms, committed suicide May 1st. His PTSD, social distancing, COVID pandemic, being out of his normal routine, not seeing friends, not going out doing public events, keeping him in isolation was too much. There'll be no study on how many vets died during this. Nobody's going to go and do it. They're just going to do the fake, faux black people and gay people died. But how many vets are dying? How? Nobody knows. Because they're not going to track that. Liberals don't give a fuck about vets. So here's the lockdown smugness from people who living in ivory towers drawing fat paychecks and getting fancy Italian food catered to their house like the fucking Cuomo's.
6: Hindsight will surely be 2020 after this. This year is going to loom large about lessons learned, about COVID-19, about communities across the country and the world. Now, Personally, the lesson for me is obvious. My lesson is gratitude. It's my first day back in the office in more than a month. So many of you were so good to me, both in my family and to my family. I'll just say thank you. I will spend my time in this capacity trying to justify the faith that so many of you have put in me. While my own COVID battle is mostly over, I'm worried that so many seem to think it's mostly over for all of us. And that is just dead wrong. Facts. Case numbers climbing pretty much everywhere. 68,000 plus deaths now. Two weeks ago, the president said we would have 60,000 deaths, period. Now, his administration is reportedly privately uh, projecting they are going to be 9-11-like death tolls on a daily basis by early June. And yet they want to push reopening? Now, look, no one has accused this president of being fact-focused or even read in on any of this. But you don't need him to mislead you. In fact, don't put this on Trump. We are deceiving ourselves. You know the virus is still spreading in too many places. This shows it exposes the reality. You know testing and tracing capabilities are nowhere near what we need to just get the truth of the risks that we all seem too ready to take. So why are we doing it? This is the hard part of the argument. Because the agony of this is legitimate angst. We can't just say it's too soon. Why? Because it's almost too late for too many suffering real economic pain. 30 million unemployed. Who knows if they'll be able to find jobs again? It took us a decade to rebuild fewer jobs than that, literally 10 million fewer after 2008. Yes, different circumstances, but the desperation here is different, too. We're talking food lines, not 401ks. Dreams dying, not just deferred. Even if you don't have COVID, this situation is making us sick. Mental health is going to open eyes as never before, and that'll be a good thing, but it's coming at a bad price. Those are the facts. But there's also feel, fatigue. I've had it. Season's changing. It's getting warm. I want to get back to it. Look at these fools. Fools. I know they want to be out there. Fools, it's not about you. What about the other people? And look, I'm not going to castigate you. That's not my job. I'm not your daddy. But we have to think about this. We are rushing to get back out of want, not just out of need. All right? Beautiful weather does not make for a beautiful reality. Yes, we're tired of bad news. Yes, the government is not doing things it should be. And there's no question that this is all real, but so are the numbers. The relaxing of stay home orders doesn't mean COVID isn't a problem anymore. In fact, the opposite is the truth. I know I said that already. I'm gonna repeat a lot of things because it's not getting through. Things will get worse, I don't care how you reopen. So if you're gonna go against the science, Well, what is better? What is better than this reality? This is something I've been asking myself, and I hope you do as well. What are we rushing back to? Politicians are making this decision, not scientists. Fauci's not in charge. Don't ask him political questions. It's not his job. The politicians are doing this because of you. Politicians act out of fear of consequence much more often than they do out of good conscience. Okay? So that's what's going to happen now. We know we can't do nothing forever. But think about what you are so anxious to get back to in terms of normal and what you're going to lose that we've gained in this pandemic. Okay? Think about it. Be careful what you have wished for. The time with family. The time together. The time leading more simply. The time thinking about where to go and where not. Those pictures of what we see in Venice, of clearer water and clearer skies that they're showing us all over the world. I know we can't do nothing forever. But we can think about how to be together better. I'm just asking you to do this. I know what you wish for. I wish for the same. But remember, we may be headed back to a time that we think we remember as better, but we may live to regret.
2: Uh, we have seen the president try on the one hand to offer hope, sometimes hope that turns out to be false hope, uh, while at the
9: same time also having his government put in place these social distancing guidelines. The, the president seems to be saying that it's safe to go to the parks and the beaches. Does that argument make any sense to you? No, and I think in in some ways it really
12: betrays the uh really hundreds of thousands of people in the United States who work in hospitals day and night to try and save lives uh, I went to uh, the hospital yesterday morning to do an emergency procedure and all of my teammates are wearing masks and all the nurses in the ICU and the staff everywhere were wearing masks and we're wearing them to protect each other and when I walked out onto the street the streets of
9: DC were really filled with people yesterday and mm-hmm. I really felt betrayed the President continues to try to deflect and distract from the coronavirus story and pointing fingers uh, at others?
2: Uh, he certainly is, done, and this is something that we've seen, of course, the president do repeatedly. He has refused to accept any responsibility uh, for any of the number of failings of the administration's response to the coronavirus crisis from uh, January and into February, particularly that month of February, uh, where we saw very little action from this administration. Instead, what we have seen from the president are repeated attempts to try and deflect blame uh, onto others. The president is not focusing on telling Americans, you know, what they need to be aware of, what they need to do in order to To slow the spread he
6: prefers instead to deflect blame onto others more mixed madness then you have the president acknowledging that reopening our country will likely kill more of us but we got to get our country back how can he accept that when he hasn't even come close to doing what he can to avoid more pain and death our big guest the governor of new york He's trying to hold back the tide the president is surfing. He says there's a safer and better way. Now, look, no matter what happens, our standard must remain the same. Facts and fierce accountability for the same. Together as ever as one. A couple of weeks ago, you were here and you said, look, death is death. Nothing else equates with that. Economic realities we can deal with. It was very popular when you said it. went viral all over the place online. Two weeks later, it seems that that argument is losing. That economic need and a desire and a fatigue with being home is starting to win. Over half the states are doing some kind of reopening. Do you think that you are an attractive person now because you're single and ready to mingle? Do you really think you are some desirable single person and that this is not just people's pain I mean- coming out of them? I think uh, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Listen to you. You got an answer for anything. You're feeling pretty good about yourself these days, aren't you? Here's what I like about it um, you are ready uh, for a fight, and you know that you have a long way to go. And I know that that's what drives your passion about sticking with these positions, because you know it's a long game. And I respect that. I, I saw in the New
15: York Daily News, uh, conservative S.E. Cup wrote, That the president is not well. Reading from her piece, she said, if this were your child, you'd intervene as quickly as you could. And you would. Getting them the help they clearly needed. Likewise, if your friend were acting this way. You might suggest they go see a therapist to work through some of their anger issues. Absolutely. If this were your coworker, you'd probably—I think—that I, I think that's actually gracious. You would alert someone in human resources. And what if this were the president of the United States acting this erratically? Not only are these behaviors the norm for President Trump, but they seem to have worsened at the most precarious and critical time that our country's face since World War II, the past few days have seen Donald Trump spiral out of control. Oof. He spread unfounded conspiracy theories about the origins of the coronavirus, about former President Barack Obama, and about an MSNBC cable news host. Yeah. Now, how much lower can you go than that <laughs> if you're worried about me? What else has he done? S.E. cup says he's made statements that can only be described as delusional. S.E. cup concludes by saying it's frightening commentary on the slow normalization of this completely abnormal behavior that we can greet the undeniable deterioration of the president of the United States with mere shrugs. And the only concerns from his inner circle seem not to be about the mental instability itself. But the political ramifications of it being exposed in daily press briefings, SE Cup, New York Daily News.
13: She really did a good job with that, really crystallizing why this normalization of the president's behavior is now making
15: people unsafe. Well, and and really you know, well done. You a lot to digest <sighs> uh, there from SE Cup, and also that ad fact check true on just I mean, everything that I saw there. But the president is getting. We, we've been saying it for three years now. The president is gay.
18: The fundamental questions to me will, is what's going to be our relationship to government, the idea of government after this. And and we kind of look at it at three levels this week. There is a primordial American tradition, going back to the founders, of being freedom-obsessed, even though we're a country founded on slavery and genocide, being freedom-obsessed to the point that we are always so afraid of the government coming for us that we are blind to other types of threats, whether it's a virus, whether it's bank malfeasance or what climate change, what have you. Um- there's also a more, a more recent kind of 40-year version of this, which is the Reagan war on government. Right, government is the problem. That's not just an idea on the right. There's a hard version on the right. There's a small-c conservative militant version of it. But there's also it, it has infected many people on the left in, in in this passive sense that, yeah, I believe in government, but I would never go work there. Or I believe in government, but you know, I kind of don't like my taxes too high. Or I use you know trusts in the Cayman Islands. Um, so, and then there's the more recent Trump. Era twist in this which is the war on government becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy you undermine government you undermine it, you undermine it you put someone who can barely read a sentence in government in, in the figure of Donald Trump and it becomes true that government sucks because you've made it suck by telling everybody it sucks and I think the most important thing that could come out of this is realizing that government is not the biggest threat to our liberty it can be a threat to our liberty but we're threatened by many many things and what government fundamentally does is protect us from a lot of those other oppressions that we in america
13: are often quite blind to mike barnacle has a question mike
11: you know and i have uh, a little more than a question listening to you and going around where i live near boston nearly every day Uh, it is truly tragic that at this moment in our history Confronted with this crisis, this enormous, life-threatening crisis, literally, that we are led by Donald Trump. That last
0: one's that moonbat, and nod, gritty, how did the dude with the gray hair, just melting the fuck down. The left is full of it. They're just obsessed with this shit. Here's a real thing, I'm not going to read the replies, I'll just surmise. C-L-E-S, hashtag Joe Biden 2020. She goes by at, at C-S-H-E-A 32 May underscore 2. No, wait a minute. No, that's the date. Sorry. So it's C-S-H-E-A 32 if you want to go see this because it's just horrible. I'm at my wit's end. My husband is a Republican and loves Trump. <clears throat> he even bought me a Trump mug. He has a hat, Trump face mask, Trump coffee cup, and even bought Trump coffee. I think he's taunting me. Does anyone have any ideas on how I can handle this? Any advice would help. A big hole in lime was a response. Divorce him. There were some sane people with, have a sense of humor, maybe. Try that out. But literally, the general consensus on the left is, I don't know how you lay next to a person who votes for Trump. Now, I may come across as hardcore against a lot of these fucking moon bats, but I don't wish ill will with them, nor would I care. I'd have a beer with most of them, well, except for Costa. Chuck Todd would never have a beer with me, because I'm a simpleton, a lowlife, I'm beneath them. Chris Frito would never have a beer with any of us. He's so anointed, he's, he knows he's anointed. He's got that last name. But I I would have a conversation with them. I I don't think I'm better than other people because I believe something different. I believe I believe because that's my life's experience. They believe what they believe because they never left New York or liberal areas. Listen, when I was a kid, I was liberal as fuck because I was in Portland. I didn't think they had trees in Georgia when I went to basic training. I thought the Dukes of Hazards was what people live like in the South. And then I went out and grew the fuck up and saw the whole world and realized how great we are. That American exceptionalism is a real thing when people are shitting in holes in the ground. In third world countries. Or Korea. And rice paddies. Now granted, Korea's come a long way. But the rural communities, whoa. Not like a farm in America. It's pretty fucking low budget. Some shacks. We do have it really good, but I also learned that every part of this goddamn country is different. Their morals, their values, the way they live their life is totally different than where you do. That is the beauty in America, but for liberals, it is a shame. It's a scarlet letter. Oh my God, those people in the South. And they just stereotype everybody. And the funniest thing is, is they're white liberals. They're the ones that tell you you're not supposed to stereotype anybody, people of color, gay people. I mean, I'm sure if a liberal heard me say to Don Lemon, "Suck Andy Lacks dick," oh my god, he's a homophobe, even though it was just a joke. They're the most judgy motherfuckers on the planet. They stereotype a whole bunch of Christians, everything, and it's still happening. I don't have it in here. There's still Illinois Governor or where the fuck his name is. He's still restricting churches under, has to be under 50 people. Synagogues. Not one of these people have come out and said, hey, mosque, keep it under 50. No, because they hate Christians. To another one, Bill Clinton hacked. Joe Lockhart said the 2020 election is coming down to a Republican party who rejects science and data and put their faith in God and Trump and Democrats who believe the answers will come from science, data, and really smart people working the problem. So if, if you, if you want to go back to work, you're a piece of shit. If you don't believe in science and data, you're a piece of shit. But on the end of our last podcast, we did some data that kind of showed most of these states had fucked up. It's because they didn't take care of their old people. A lot of these deaths are in retirement homes. And this is what Bill de Blasio had to say about it.
9: As you look at going forward now and you say improving conditions for seniors in nursing homes, would it be a a good idea to no longer send elderly patients who've tested positive for coronavirus or are suspected to have coronavirus, would it be a good idea to not send them back into their nursing homes where they then expose other
11: vulnerable people? Well, again, if if the better care in that individual case is a hospital, of course that should be the go-to option. But there's going to be times where, the nursing home is the place that can better care if it's set up that way. But remember, a lot of these are for-profit
9: organizations. I think there's going to be a lot of questions about whether they put their residents
11: first or whether they put profit first. Uh, but uh, I'm, I don't like what's happening in the nursing homes. I want to see change, but I think in terms of each individual, it's a case-by-case. You've got to figure out what's right for each senior.
0: So, Mayor, I... I... It doesn't sound like he takes care of Grandma. And if they were Republicans, Joe Scarborough would do a whole nother fucking... We played about 100 sound bites of him saying they're going to throw grandma off a cliff. Because remember, it's election season. Republicans are Nazis and they're throwing grandma off a cliff. It's what we've done back to Reagan. It's the, 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 the catch line. No pushback. But Bethany Mandel, she trended. Grandma killer. Trending with Bethany Mandel. Over the weekend. And this is what she said. Remember when we were told we had to flatten the curve, we'd lock down for a few weeks to ramp up PPE and free up ventilators or else we'd all have to start death panels? When did that turn into definite lockdowns and economic discretion because it saves one life? This isn't about green; it's survival. People can't buy food or pay rent or mortgage. Small businesses are closing. Dentists and doctors are going to the red. Schools are going to start closing. This is the destruction of society we're talking about. There will be no pediatrician or general doctors or phys- physical therapists or nurses or home health aides. No dentists, no zoos or aquariums, no private schools, no restaurants or caterers, no hairdressers, nail technicians, no gyms, no summer camps or daycare. We never had ventilator shortages. My local pediatric pediatric ER converted to a COVID ward, and now since empty, not alone, all those military ones that they set up and tore down. That's me talking, not her. A vaccine? Oh, sorry. What are the waiting? What are we waiting on here? I generally like an answer. A vaccine. Because if that's it, our society will be absolutely wrecked in the meantime. You can call me a grandma killer. I'm not sacrificing my home food on the table, all of our docs and dentists, every form of pleasure, museums, zoos, restaurants, all my kids' teachers in order to make other people comfortable. If you want to stay locked down, do. I'm not. Doesn't mean it won't be done responsibly, but I'm just, I'm done. I feel lied to about the terms of this lockdown and I regret ever trusting that it would be done responsibly. My God. I bet if you got Jimmy Fallon drunk, he'd admit to that statement. Most of us would. Why did we do this if it was going to be indefinite? She's spot on. It was to flatten the curve. It was because of ventilators. It was because we don't want to overwhelm our hospitals. What did the left do with it? Well, let's just read one. Soledad O'Brien. Thank you for letting us know we can we can you grandma killer. Have fun at the zoo with the kiddos. We can call you grandma killer. And the left excoriated her for saying what all of them feel. Cuz now politically it's better to keep the economy destroyed, they think. Yeah. That's just, fuck all of you. It's no longer about the virus. It's about power and an election. And keeping the economy ass-fucked as long as they can. So, we have gone super long today, so this is going to be a double podcast because there's no way I can get it all in one. So, we're going to do a bumper. I found an old, old... Okay, it's piano music, but I love this shit back when I was young. I used to ski to this song. I'm going to play one song, and we're going to come in to Biden and do a Biden section, and that'll finish part A of this podcast.
19: at the Media Bubble, one podcast at a time. Here's Tony Reid.
8: Come fly with me, let's fly, let's fly away. If you can use some exotic booze, there's a bar in far Bombay. Come on and fly with me, let's fly, let's fly away. Uh,
15: Now that he has given that answer, do you view this uh, as a closed issue, or what is your response?
20: Well, it is for me. Uh, I have said I am proud to support Joe Biden for president. Uh, I believe him when he says it didn't happen, uh, but I also believe him when he said, let them in, uh, look into the records, uh, and that's what they should do. But I'm not going to answer this question again. I, I, I will just say I have every confidence uh, that Joe Biden will be a great president of the United States, uh, not only because of the person of integrity that he is, but the person of vision that he is for just some of the things you talked about, about health care for all Americans, about job security, about the kitchen table issues that he's so familiar with in his own family uh, when his father lost his own job. Uh, Joe Biden is Joe. uh, And again, he brings those values and his personal experience uh, to a vision for America that is about fairness. And not trickle down economics, but bubble up uh, from that kitchen table, from working families in our country. And now we hope to have in this bill a reflection of the, meeting the needs of everyone in our country, and not trickle down or have uh, science and research and science that's dominated anything other than by the best possible science. And I salute our scientists for what they are doing to emerge well, well, from this. We've
9: We've covered a lot of ground, and that's the last thing I wanted to button up on the, on the virus bill. Just on.
0: Did I not say they would cover it once, Nancy Pelosi would cover it once, and it was over? And she said it. But as she said it, Jake Tapper brings to us, there's a third accuser. There's now a third accuser.
4: The lead starts right now. Breaking news, new horrific accusations about Brett Kavanaugh's alleged behavior with girls in high school. Kavanaugh denies it all. He says the charges are from the Twilight Zone. Michael Avenatti, who represents the woman in question, will be here in minutes. These new serious allegations come just hours before Kavanaugh and his first accuser, Christine Blasey Ford, are set to testify in front of the world. Might these new charges derail that hearing? Could they even sink his confirmation? Plus, we're just minutes away from President Trump taking questions in a very rare solo news conference. And if his newest comments on Kavanaugh are any indication, it might get a little bit nasty. Welcome to The Lead, everyone. I'm Jake Tapper. We begin with the politics lead and the ugliest accusation ever made in American history against a potential Supreme Court justice, as the nomination of Judge Brett Kavanaugh seems at its most vulnerable point ever. A third woman today came forward with shocking allegations about Brett Kavanaugh's alleged behavior as a teenager. Julie Swetnick, who says she has held multiple security clearances while working for the government, has notified the Senate Judiciary Committee that in the 1980s, at various parties she attended, where the Supreme Court nominee was allegedly present, she saw Kavanaugh, quote, drink excessively and engage in abusive and physically aggressive behavior towards girls, including pressing girls against him without their consent, grinding against girls and attempting to remove or shift girls' clothing to expose private body parts, unquote, even... Worse, Sweatnick claims in this sworn statement that she witnessed efforts by Kavanaugh to, quote, cause girls to become inebriated so they could then be gang raped, unquote. She says she saw lines of numerous boys, lines that included Kavanaugh, standing outside rooms where they waited for their turn with girls who were incapacitated. She says she was a victim of one such rape at a party where Kavanaugh was present. She does not say that Kavanaugh raped her or the other girls. CNN cannot corroborate any of these claims, which are now being investigated by the Senate Judiciary Committee. And Judge Kavanaugh today forcefully denied the allegations, saying, quote, This is ridiculous and from the Twilight Zone. I don't know who this is. And this never happened. Swetnick, of course, joins Deborah Ramirez, who on Sunday alleged that Kavanaugh exposed himself to her in college. And Christine Blasey Ford, who last week said that Kavanaugh sexually assaulted her when they were in high school. As of now, there are no eyewitnesses who have come forward to corroborate any of these charges. And in fact, many people named as having been at the events described by Ramirez at Yale and by Blasey Ford in high school say they have no memory of those events happening. This new comes hours before President Trump's press conference in which he may attempt to get ahead of tomorrow's Senate hearing with Kavanaugh and Christine Blasey Ford. Let's get right to CNN's Phil Manningly on Capitol Hill for us. And Phil, all 10 Democrats on the Senate Judiciary Committee this afternoon called on the White House to withdraw Kavanaugh's nomination. Yeah, that's right,
2: Jake. Senate Democrats have seen, heard, or read Plenty enough to pull the plug on this nomination. You put that on one side, it stands in stark contrast with where Republican leaders are, basically telling their members to stay the course, maintain a united front. Behind closed doors at an all-conference lunch just a short while ago, that was the message. Even if members are rattled, keep pushing forward, Jake. A third accuser threatening to derail the already tenuous prospects of President Trump's Supreme Court nominee
11: the details in this declaration are
15: specific uh they are shocking uh but above all else they are true and my client stands behind them 100 percent
2: the allegations from julie swetnick who alleged in a signed affidavit she attended well over 10 parties where she saw judge brett kavanaugh then in high school drink excessively at many of these parties and engage in abusive and physically aggressive behavior towards girls Swetnick also claiming Kavanaugh and others would spike the punch to cause girls to become inebriated and disoriented, so they could then be gang-raped in a side room or bedroom, later adding, I became the victim of one of these gang or train rapes where Mark Judge and Brett Kavanaugh were present. Swetnick does not say they assaulted her or the other girls, and while Swetnick says she's aware of other witnesses who can corroborate her claims, she has not yet identified those witnesses. Kavanaugh immediately denying the new allegations, saying in a statement, this is ridiculous and from the twilight zone. I don't know who this is, and this never happened.
14: I'm asking why in this process, which has been so debased on both sides, why are people who have these serious allegations not going to law enforcement themselves and saying, take a look at this
2: Attorneys for Mark Judge, also identified by Swetnick, saying Judge, quote, vehemently denies the allegations contained in the affidavit. The Judiciary Committee Republicans snapping quickly to attention to review and address the allegations, aides say. Thank
17: you very much. Thank
7: you.
2: While President Trump, taking a break from meetings at the U.N., took aim at Swetnick's attorney, Michael Avenatti.
8: If you look at this lawyer that just came out, he's a lowlife. Uh, he represented Democrats. Nobody ever talks about that. He's a Democrat lawyer. Not a very good one, but he's a Democrat (laughs) lawyer.
2: For their part, Democrats are calling for Thursday's hearing, where Kavanaugh and his first accuser, Christine Blasey Ford, will testify to be suspended.
9: When the question of credibility is so much in doubt as it is now with Judge Kavanaugh, that person should not be sitting, not be sitting on the highest court in the land.
2: But that hearing will stay on as planned, according to the committee chair. Tomorrow is very, very important. She's been waiting for 10 days now to appear. And, Jake, I can hardly imagine a more dramatic lead-up to a hearing or a more important consequential
0: hearing on Capitol Hill. Oh, crap. No, that was Kavanaugh. That's how they acted when there was a third accuser for Kavanaugh. They haven't even talked about the third accuser of Biden. Yeah. Yeah, we talked about one in the past. We got Tara Reid. Then we got the 14-year-old. Yeah, we're not covering that. That's not important. But maybe it is to the base because Politico, we can clearly say, is no conservative site. In our our poll with Morning Consult, more than a third of voters believe Democrats should abandon Joe Biden as their nominee over the sex assault claims. So a third still Stay with it and know that Me Too is something we should think about. To the star and hopeful VP for Biden. And I know this is kind of out of spot, but I wanted to get it in here. She stays with Biden. Whitmer. And it depicted some of the worst racist the most awful parts of U.S. history. Governor Whitmer slams anti lockdown protests at Michigan Capitol and says their Confederate flag, nooses, and swastikas are not representative. Of who we are. This keeps going, even though we've already proven that they were all screen and they didn't storm anything. But we're not going to actually do facts. Here is literally a montage. Tapper actually grills Whitmer a bit. NBC, though, and they're all in, man. They urge her to arrest people that protest. And then just a random Whitmer soundbite who the fuck elected this lady
4: i want to turn now to former vice president joe biden uh who denied on friday an allegation made by a former senate staffer of his tara reed who says that he sexually assaulted her uh in the early 90s uh you said that you believe uh vice president biden i want to compare that to 2018 when you said you believed dr christine blasey ford after she accused now justice brett kavanaugh uh of assault uh kavanaugh also, like Biden, categorically denied that accusation. Uh, and Blasey Ford, to be honest, she did not have uh, the contemporaneous accounts uh, of her view of what happened that, that Tara Reid does. Um, you have spoken movingly about how you're a survival, survivor of assault yourself. Why do you believe Biden and not Kavanaugh? Are, are they not both entitled to the same presumption of innocence, regardless of their political views?
21: You know, Jake, as a survivor and as a feminist, I'll say this. We need to give people an opportunity to tell their story. But then we have a duty to vet it. And just because you're a survivor doesn't mean that every claim is equal. It means we give them the ability to make their case and the other side as well and then to make a judgment that is informed. I have read a lot about this current allegation. I know Joe Biden, and I've watched his defense, and there's not a pattern that goes into this. And I think that for these reasons, I'm very comfortable um, that that Joe Biden is who he says he is. He's, um And, and you know what? And that's all I'm going to say about it. I really resent the fact that every time a case comes up, all of us survivors have to weigh in. It is reopening wounds, and it is, you know, take us at our word, ask us for our opinion, and let's move on.
4: Well, the, just for the record, the reason I'm asking you is because you're the only Democrat on the show today, not because you're a survivor and not yeah. because you're a woman. No, but and, and it's not thank a criticism you so much for your time. You, I wanna- it's
21: not a criticism of you. You're doing your job and I appreciate that. I'm just sharing, I think, some of the simmering, um, you know, anger that we survivors have every time that, you know, we've got to confront this from someone else's behavior that we weren't a party to, that we weren't even a, a part, you know, of, of the reality in the moment. What I think is this. We owe it to every woman who um, has a story to listen to that story and then to bet that story, ask the questions and be critical thinkers and then make a judgment based on on all of those pieces. I've done that in this instance. And I'll tell you this. I don't believe that it's consistent with the Joe Biden that I know. And I do believe Joe and I support Joe Biden.
4: All right, Governor Gretchen Whitmer, thank you so much for your time. I want to apologize to our viewers uh, for the technical difficulties uh, we were having with the uh, the visual of the shot, uh, Governor Whitman, uh, we could hear your words great, but the, the, the screen was a little blurry during that um, interview, and we apologize for that. That's the price of doing business during a pandemic when everybody is remote.
6: Your name, of course, continues to come up on this, this short list. Uh, for for Joe Biden, as as you know, in the past week, uh, the former vice president has been accused of sexual assault. He's vehemently denied uh, the allegation itself. Uh, you are Biden supporter. You're one of his earlier backers. I know that you are also um, a, a sexual assault survivor as well. Is is there anything you want to add to the conversation, Governor Whitmer, uh, that's emerged over the past few days? I'll
21: just say, you know, I've. I've read a lot about the allegations i have talked with joe biden i am confident he is who he says he is i do believe that women should be given space and they should be listened to but i also know that it's incumbent that we vet thoroughly and in in this moment um i think under these circumstances and in the conversations that i've had with the vice president i am confident that he is who he says he is and and I believe him, and I believe that he will be a good president for the United States of America. And and beyond that, uh, you know, I don't know that there's much more that I can add. Hi, everyone. This is Gretchen Whitmer, and I'm just here to say me too. You know, I shared my story of sexual assault during a tough debate at the Capitol, but I did it because women's voices weren't being heard. Women were being shut out of conversation about our own health care, and I know that too many women every single day are dealing with this across our country. And as the mom of two daughters, I think it's important that I say me too so that they don't have to, so that fewer women in our country have to face this and confront this every single day. So I'm here to lend my voice to this movement and encourage others to do that if you feel safe and comfortable doing it because it's only by talking about the issues that we face every day that we can actually solve them.
0: Yeah, that wasn't random either. that That's her Me Too pledge. Unless you're Tara Reid, or 14-year-old, or another lady from the past who said that he got too close to her. And we just ignored that. Because he's Biden. He's a decent man. And it's gone. That's already done with covering rape claim against Biden. Just four days of the broadcast network evening newscast finally covered the rape allegation against Democratic nominee Joe Biden for the first time, after ignoring it, was over for a month. Or ignoring it for over a month. ABC, NBC, CBS had had enough. During their Monday evening newscasts, none of them ran stories on the subject, despite developments still breaking over the course of the day. NBC Today was the only morning newscast to give the allegation substantial airtime. CBS this morning managed 56 seconds. Usually on a bumper. That's how they're all doing it. Today, there are intensified calls from both sides searched for any complaint that might exist from Joe Biden's former Senate staff, Tara Reid, who said she was sold 27 years ago, announced senior Washington correspondent, establishment fan, Andrea Mitchell. The clay- complaint would be another piece of contemporaneous evidence that would back up Reid's claim. Even though the search is still ongoing, Mitchell declared no record of it has been found because nobody's looking for it. It's done. But while they've been getting vilified, or excuse me, vilifying her, Tara Reid says creepy voice messages, online harassment targeted her family. Tara Reid says she's faced an onslaught of online harassment, and is concerned about the safety of her family after becoming the center of political firestorm over her sexual assault allegations against Biden. I find it astounding the hypocrisy the Democrats are taking talking about women being able to tell their stories safely. I'm a Democrat, a lifelong Democrat, but yet here I am trying to talk about my history with Joe Biden, and I'm just a target of online harassment. Reed said fake social media accounts have been created to impersonate her, pointing to one Facebook account with an upload personal picture of her and her family, a post not authored by her. A screenshot of one post was shared on Twitter by an apparent Biden supporter named Naomi Block, falsely accusing Reed of deliberately tossing Blasey Ford under the bus under the dang bus, excuse me, it goes on, she had threats the whole nine yards, we got to segment our new social media nugget, the problem is their new board that's going to decide conduct and shit, yeah, they're all liberals, so they're probably down with this, one of them actually was part of the Mueller shit, yeah, they put her on the Facebook board, yeah. Reed has also obtained numerous threatening messages. She said in one email obtained by Fox News, someone named Linda Du Bois called Reed a fucking whore and a disgrace to womanhood. You're a roaring, rip roaring bitch, and the great majority of Americans don't believe you anyhow. I hope you drop dead. Mm -hmm. But a journalist, Kurt. Eichenwald is our example today of how they're treating her on the left. This is very lengthy. This dude has some serious mental problems. Maybe that's why he's so anti Trump. It's going to be an ugly, angry thread. I'm going to, to I'm going to be about rape written by someone who was violently raped in the early eighties. Tara Reid is a liar. I'm now certain of that beyond a reasonable doubt or attention seeking or corrupt performances demean people who have been actual victims. The willingness of Bernie bros, Republicans and Russian demonstrate that this vicious, violent crime to be just something to exploit a political tactic gave this a lot of time absorbing each need to deal. I listened, I waited. Now I'm angry as hell. And these people keep pushing, those like me back into our trauma by lying and game playing. For every Tara, there will be a million actual victims. Who will not come forward because she will not under she will have undermined all credibility. This is different than Ford. It's not what party are they attacking? Okay, that decides who I believe. I have never ever believed this. I if someone accuses, believe them. Crap. If someone accuses, respect them. Listen, wait, but don't let frauds like Tara do this. Why do I reach the end today? I read her latest change in her story. This one is the one that broke it. She is a fraud. <clears throat> Not only should she be ignored in perpetuity, she should be condemned. And if she actually filed a police report recently, arrested. Here's why. As I said, this would be ugly if the description of post-rape reality is too uncomfortable for you. Stop reading here. I know my experiences are similar to those of other victims and the complete opposite of terrorists. If you're okay with continuing, read on. uh, The story I got didn't do it, so I went and got it. I was raped post-seizure while unconscious in the early 80s. Do I remember the exact date? No. That is not unusual, things you see and feel and do remember forever. Even with some like me with severe memory problems, markers like dates don't. I remember the blood. I remember there I was that with each rivulet or blotch or puddle looked like. I remember trying desperately to wash it off. I remember being unable to cry. I remember my fear my not wanting to tell anyone. I remember the bleach towel I used to dry off in a patterned color. I remember the shapes of paint peeling on the ceiling of the room I was in. I remember deciding that because the bleeding would not stop, I needed to take a cab to the hospital. The memories stopped. They resume again in emergency room. I remember the the drape around my cubicle. I remember the smock and the parents of my nurse. I remember my doctors. I remember shutting down. I remember chairing the cubicle. I remember the last doctor trying to tell me how I should be worried about STDs. I shut down, but I knew he talked about AIDS. I remember leaving against anyone's request. I don't remember traveling. I remember being home, I remember sleeping on the floor, I remember staring at the ceiling, I remember the next day going to the kitchen to get a garbage bag and putting everything bloody in it. I remember walking outside hoping no one would see me and ask what was in the bag. I remember what the garbage can look like. I remember fearing someone would open the garbage bag, see all the bloodstained stuff, and call the police. I remember, I remember, I remember, I remember this many nights of my life, of my sleep. I remember breaking down in tears well into my 50s about an attack that happened in my early 20s. This brings us back to terrible Uh, Tara, a horrible woman dining out on others' pain for attention or to advance her political interest, and Bernie, or to appease the man she praised forever, Putin, until she realized it looked bad in the circumstances, so she stopped. She endlessly praised Biden for years on tweets in public, and if it could find a person who attacked me, even to this day, I'd be hard-pressed not to kill him. I wouldn't have praised him. Oh, I'm afraid to say what happened, so I actively praised him when no one asked. I would never have said, when no one asked, the person rubbed my shoulder in a way I did not like, and then say, when no one asked me, oh no, he violently assaulted me. The problem is not revealing something happened, it's any revealing anything at all. So the changing story already made me suspect, particularly given this happened decades ago. You either get to the point where you are able to discuss it, which I did only in recent years, and say everything you can, or you say nothing. You don't make a story up. Minimize it. When no one, as it just, just fucking goes on, uh, let me try to fast forward. Then today, Tara filed a request asking for sexual harassment when sexual assault complaint. Tara goes, oh wait, the complaint I filed that now people blah, blah, blah. I remember exactly, okay, I was, this is so fucking long. I didn't say anything about being sexual. No wait, it wasn't a counselor. It was an office where you filed a complaint like this and I filed a complaint saying he attacked me. Oh, he wants, he wants that release. Well, damn, I just remembered. I didn't chicken out for speaking to the council about the assault. And I don't file the complaint. I said I did because it was filing that that I chickened out, not in the counselor. B.S. This is a lie. And given that you changed your story in each development, it keeps going on. Tara, please know you'll be getting the attention you so dearly crave, and hopefully it will be when you have your perp walk for filing a false police report. Real victims are also not toys for you to gain attention or political goals. Rotten hell. That's a journalist. That was like 35. I didn't even read it all. I couldn't because it's just gibberish. But that's that's what they're doing. Here's Debra Messing. Tweeted out a medium post by Ed Krazestein with a huge scandal. Reed allegedly charged fourteen dollars in veterinarian bills to a nonprofit. Biden accuser Reed allegedly stole from nonprofit Deborah Messing. She allegedly charged fourteen hundred dollars in horse related medical bills for her own horse at a horse rescue she worked on in twenty fourteen, which indicates her character at the time of reporting her assault in nineteen ninety three. It has nothing to do with it. In 2020, Deborah shares an unverified smear by well-known con artists attempting to shame a woman allegedly sexual assault because she accused a Democrat. Do you see this? They're going back in time to find stuff? Did they do that for Blasey Ford? Because all her shit was wrong. <clears throat> Travis Mueller She's literally straight out of central casting for someone who looks like they'd have been audacity to lie about a sexual assault to bring down a future president. Like maybe even two on the nose. That's one of them. G.I. Jojo. Damn, I read about that. Wait, no, that's the author of the piece you just shared. Fed seized a fortune from resistance icon accused of boosting online Ponzi schemes. That's a Krasistein brothers. She might have done something bad in her past, so she deserves to have been raped. That's the implication. What exactly does this have to do with their allegations, somebody asked. Posting stuff like this is trash behavior, and you should stop and think about the message you're sending. Another, oh yeah, let's listen to the frauds that are the Chrysostein brothers. This is a medium story. Big time, me too. New York Times ran an opinion piece by Linda Hirschman. Basically, justifying her intentions to vote for Joe Biden, despite believing that he sexually assaulted Tara Reid, because believe woman is conditional. You see, Kate Garnier, founder of Creative Communication Company and self-described strong advocate of feminism and equality, counts herself among the stunning and brave women. I'm on the same page, Kate Garnier. This is my sentiment as well. Biden has to win. I believe treat Tara Reid. I'm for voting for Joe Biden anyway. Other ones she penned. Rape culture's real. A gentleman's guide to rape culture. If you're a man, you're part of rape culture. That is how you can belay that. And people, welcome to rape culture, Kate Gardner. It's not just for men, apparently. Then we have Kristen Powers. Makes herself look even more worse. Lashing out of those calling her disingenuous as fuck. Mini thread. I consider responding to complaints that I have different standards for Kavanaugh and Biden, but I know that nobody complaining here actually is interested in understanding my view, so it's a waste of time. Kristen's the victim now. I've hardly spent any time on Twitter in the last year. Just a little bit of a time I spent on Friday was remarkable to see the level of dysfunction. I'm talking about blue-check people. People calling her out for being disingenuous or dysfunctional, she thinks. And she's talking about you, important blue-check people. So she means business. Obviously, all the trolls and bots are working overtime, but the people who are known people and even people that I know honestly need to work on their issues rather than working them out on Twitter. I don't have a problem with somebody raising issues around my position on Biden vis-a-vis Kavanaugh. I would have happily explained for those who didn't understand, but that's not what the conservative swarm wanted. It wasn't just all conservatives attacking her, by the way. They just want to rage. When I look back now, I used to tweet, and I would be snarky and just try to win the argument. It was 100% because I had issues to deal with. I no longer have any need to do that or any interest in doing it. I'm also not going to indulge in other people. There are actually a lot of great people on Twitter who behave well, and those are the people I'm going to interact with, and everybody else is getting muted. The end. Jerry Fletcher. Take the loss and move on. That's what she should have done, but she didn't. China is lying. Wow. Kristen Power really did delete all her 2018 tweets about Kavanaugh. What happened to her? She went back and deleted them all. Here's just a few of them. Republicans keep saying they believe Blasey Ford, but they just believe it wasn't Kavanaugh who did it. That that's, is literally not believing her. Kristen Powers. This is a lie, there's just no word for it. She's lying. Another tweet. As I point out in my column today, there's no double standard in the way Kavanaugh was treated versus Biden. A few Dems called for immediate withdrawal of nomination, but the prevailing view was that the accusation should be heard and investigated. Same should be done with Reed. That that's not true. Next one. I think the message is no matter how credible you are, no matter how calm or reasonable the truthful you are in your testimony, That you won't be taken seriously. That was from October 2018. Another one. Margaret, I just sat here and listened to you go on and basically smear this woman. You just basically said you know him and he didn't do it. And that's irrelevant. And you know that it's irrelevant. Repeating over and over that you want a fair process but not really answering the questions, I don't think necessarily bolsters him. It will have its intended effect, which is to portray him as somebody who's been persecuted. Has anyone else noticed how refuting to just take a word of a man and asking for a fair investigation has been cast as a scurrilous attack on the good man's reputation? This is what male privilege looks like. Yeah, USA Today just said the exact thing, Kristen Powers. So did you. LA Times does the exact same thing. Democrats are just desperate to beat Trump. So yes, they're perfectly willing to throw their believe woman grandstanding in the trash. LA Times columnist Robin Albuquerque acknowledged that Biden has a penchant for unwanted touching, but he's not Trump. Actual tweet. He's not perfect, but he's not Donald Trump in the article. It's true that Biden has a trouble keeping his hands to himself and sort of apologized after he was finally taken to task, but every other complainant to Dana's accused him of being creepy space invader, not a rapist. Unlike with Trump, who has been accused of sexual assault by at least a dozen women, none of them proven true, we cannot overlook his flaws. He was accused of plagiarism in law school in 88 when he first sought the Democratic presidential nominee. He was forced to drop out after he was caught plagiarizing British Labor Party leader Neil Kinnock's speech about his Scrabble upbringing. He turned a blind eye to his son Hunter's sleazy exploitation of family name, and his child, which nobody wants to talk about, <clears throat> and now he's fending off a terrible accusation which is he handled with something approaching grace, if not full transparency. He's not perfect, but he's not Donald Trump. Jex Jurgberg, whatever happened, nice euphemism. Just say you're voting for him, even he raped his employee, just say it. You're not alone you your thinking your desire to sugarcoat it. Find some courage other replies whatever happened with tara reid what the fuck what you and all democrats are doing right now is really hurting not only tara reid but all us me to survivors i don't think that's a conservative I'm just throwing it out there. I see a trauma therapist with complex PTSD, and you and all the machine have tra- re-traumatized so many victims. LA Times colonists proclaims she will vote for Joe Biden, regardless of whether Tara Reid's sex assault allegation is true. This is how the left operates. It's all about power. You guys are really horrible people. Victims don't choose to get raped. It's a violation not only of their bodies, but their mind and soul. So choose Biden because he has raped less? How about we choose a non-rapist, and how about you report the story instead of being an arm of the DNC? The LA Times shows what they claim is less rapey over vote for good candidate. He's a nominee somehow without 15 states ever voting, and we're stuck with him because people can't be bothered to report on the downsides of Biden in a timely manner. The Democrats are very desperate. They obviously played themselves, now working so hard to put lipstick on that pig. Okay. Whatever you need to tell yourself. And that is one of the key points right there. Seriously. The key points. They purposely didn't report it. So a good one. Because they didn't want Bernie. They didn't want Bernie. So they just ignored it. Next beautiful story. This is their candidate. Remember this. New York Magazine. Joe Biden is at his best when he's neither speaking nor appearing in public. Will his campaign have to abandon its most effective strategy? Are you fucking shit me? He's the best candidate when he shuts his (laughs) pothole. Good God. So there's times that Biden is not speaking and away from the public eye. He's at his best. Actually, we cannot argue about this point. The way he has been behaving, displaying everything from ins- instability, confusion, and drowsiness means that, yes, the less he makes appearances, the better. It is just a bit jarring to see a major media source making this admission. Joe Biden's most effective campaign strategy has been to lie low and let people vote whatever imagined version of Joe Biden is inside their head. On Friday, he went to Morning Joe discuss Tara Reid. It was not a good argument for changing the strategy. The rest of the piece concerns the allegations and the effect of the campaign and all while circling back to the central premise. The less Biden there is, the better it is for Joe Biden. King and Kodos. This is a fucking onion headline. It's true. Another's a cartoon. Interview Biden and risk exposing his dementia Ignore Biden and risk voters forgetting he's running. Which button do I push? <laughs> and then Mike LeChance sums it up. Does anyone even know what Joe Biden's campaign slogan is? A reply? He doesn't remember. Why should I have to? <laughs> it's so true. What is his motto? Does anybody fucking know? I mean, we had hope and change. We had America, uh, make America great. I mean, what the actual fuck? What the actual fuck? So I rarely do this, but I'm going to play a positive. Here's the RNC head We went to the Sunday circuit. I thought you did rather well bashing the media.
19: And then this week we've seen uh, him really be challenged for the first time in five weeks on allegations that uh, many in the media have ignored. And finally, those are coming to light. Well, I I, I
7: know uh, we here at ABC have not ignored and, and many in the media have not ignored it. But I want to turn to those accusations you put out. Uh, an ad, an attack ad against Joe Biden. But the president has also been accused of sexual harassment, sexual misconduct, sexual assault by more than a dozen women. And in a radio interview on Thursday, President Trump said, while Tara Reid, the accuser, sounds credible, I would just say to Joe Biden, just go out and fight it, adding, I guess, in a way, You could say, I'm sticking up for him. Is he sticking up for Joe Biden? And how far will you go with these
19: attacks? I'm going to take issue with the media ignoring this. It has been appalling the hypocrisy as to how Brett Kavanaugh was treated versus Joe Biden. Brett Kavanaugh, every accuser was put on TV. It was wall-to-wall coverage. They went into his high school yearbook. They said he needed an FBI investigation. Michael Avenatti was on TV accusing him of gang rape from an accuser who'd never even met Brett Kavanaugh. And then you go to Joe Biden. Five weeks of... Of silence. Nineteen interviews without a single question. He won't let people go into his records in the University of Delaware. They're calling on the DNC to do the investigation. It went from me too, me too, me too to move on, move on, move on in a nanosecond because he's a Democrat and the hypocrisy is appalling. And it's not just from the Democrats; it's from the media. And I'll tell you, I think any outlet that conducted those 19 interviews and didn't ask a single question should be disqualified from conducting any part of a presidential debate. American people recognize what a strong leader he has been through this unprecedented crisis.
7: Uh, Let me ask you, was President Trump upset about those
19: polling numbers that were presented to him? The president is always optimistic. He feels very good about where he stands. He's had record approval with the Republican Party. You just saw the Gallup poll that's ex- incredibly high. And you're seeing these strong economic numbers. And we've seen Joe Biden hiding. He hasn't been, been vetted. People haven't seen the 2020 version of Joe Biden who hasn't, who's shifted so far left on many of his policies. And then this week we've seen uh, him really be challenged for the first time in five weeks on allegations that uh Many in the media have ignored, and finally, those are coming to light.
7: Well, I I, I know uh, we here at ABC have not ignored and and many in the media have not ignored it, but I want to turn to those accusations. You put out uh, an ad, an attack ad, against Joe Biden, but the president has also been accused of sexual harassment, sexual misconduct, sexual assault by more than a dozen women. And in a radio interview on Thursday, President Trump said while Tara Reid." The accuser sounds credible. I would just say to Joe Biden, just go out and fight it, adding, I guess, in a way you could say I'm sticking up for him. Is he sticking up for Joe Biden? And how far will you go with these
19: attacks? I'm going to take issue with the media ignoring this. It has been appalling, the hypocrisy as to how Brett Kavanaugh was treated versus Joe Biden. Brett Kavanaugh, every accuser was put on TV. It was wall-to-wall coverage. They went into his high school yearbook. They said he needed an FBI investigation. Michael Avenatti was on TV accusing him of gang rape from an accuser who'd never even met Brett Kavanaugh. And then you go to Joe Biden. Five weeks of silence. 19 interviews without a single question. He won't let people go into his records in the University of Delaware. They're calling on the DNC to do the investigation. It went from me too, me too, me too to move on move on move on in a nanosecond because he's a democrat and the hypocrisy is appalling and it's not just from the democrats it's from the media and i'll tell you i think any outlet that conducted those 19 interviews and didn't ask a single question should be disqualified from conducting any part of a presidential debate
7: Uh, so why did the president say he was in a way sticking up for him
19: Because due process and the presumption of innocence has no longer been the standard in this country when it comes to Republicans. And now Democrats are suddenly embracing those legal standards that we have made the cornerstone of our of our country when it comes to Joe Biden. But they threw it out the window when it came to Brett Kavanaugh. And so did the media. And the hypocrisy has been appalling. And we need to do some self-reflection as to how Kavanaugh was treated versus how Biden's being treated right now.
7: Okay, thank you very much for joining us. So let's bring in Tom Perez. And I want to start with Joe Biden did have... Day-
0: when you compare these two candidates, so once again, I'm not a Trumper. I'm not pro-Trump. I, I vote against the Democrat. That's pretty much my thing, because the Democrat, to me, is more dangerous, as stated on the show. They'll take my guns, tell me I can't go to church if I want to go to church. They'll abort babies to college, fucking... And more importantly... All they do is push shit that I have no interest in. And programs that give free shit to everybody. And get every illegal immigrant citizenship even though they don't deserve it. And then, worse of all, the media takes a break. And we have no fucking idea what is going on in our government. But these two people... Trump's a blowhard, but at least he can think on his feet. Biden is like he's asleep. I mean, I truly believe he got COVID and he was recovering, and that's why he went underground. He was really sick. You saw him coughing, and he was always kind of drowsy. But all we had this week is what we have every week. Trump's deranged. Well, when you say that's not
17: happening right now, uh, what is your? Uh, obviously you don't think the companies are acting quickly enough, whether it's the personal protective gear, whether it's putting in plexiglass and other protections, whether it's ramping up testing at these plants. Uh, are there any governors who you would look at the map and say, this governor's jumped up and proven that he or she wants to help, others maybe not so much? Well,
22: I'll tell you what, one of the most immoral acts any president in the United States has ever done is what Donald Trump did last week when he put down all the meatpacking plants under the, uh, I believe it's the War Production Act, saying they have to remain open. We had put pressure, for example, at a plant in Colorado. The governor and the local health uh, uh, director had closed down the plant. Now those governors, those county health directors in Waterloo, Iowa, or in uh, Moore County, Texas, which have the largest number of COVID-19 increases in Iowa, it's Waterloo, Iowa. In Texas, it's Cactus, Texas, where the meatpacking plants are, and those are spreading uh, in dramatically huge fashion in those neighborhoods and communities. And yet, President Trump says they remain open, and the governor and the local county health officials can't do anything about it. And that's just one of the most immoral, unchristian, un American acts by any president in the history of the United States. So, maybe the internment of the Japanese in World War II.
17: Well, we will continue to follow this story. Domingo Garcia, very much appreciate your time and your insights today and your concern for these
15: workers. Thank you, sir. Mr. President, I ask that you get checked out. (laughs) I ask that you take a rest. I ask that you take care of yourself. Maybe let Mike Pence run things for the next week. You're not well. Let Mike Pence work with Dr. Fauci, work with Dr. Birx. It would be best for you politically. It would be best for the country medically. It would be best for the Republican Party politically. Mr. President, you're getting worse every day. You, you need to take a rest. You need to let Mike Pence actually run things for the next couple of weeks and come back when you're feeling a little better and when you can really actually focus on your job. Because you just can't do that right now. And Americans are dying every day because of it.
23: Let's talk about the Lincoln Memorial. Michael Beschloss. uh, To a lot of people that's hallowed ground. And to see a cable news program, a virtual town hall, with the president and you know correspondents questioning him, anchors questioning him, at the feet of, of Abraham Lincoln And to make the whole image worse, let's take a look at one of the things that he had to say in a question from a a friendly, supportive viewer calling in and asking him, despite her support for him, uh, whether he should change some of his comments and not be as aggressive and and as confrontational as he has been in some of those briefings. And this was his response.
8: I um am... greeted with a hostile press the likes of which no president has ever seen uh, the closest would be that gentleman right up there they always said lincoln nobody got treated worse than lincoln yes lincoln was treated with all
9: sorts of scurrilous and obscene and nasty comments about him some of them i couldn't even repeat on this program but abraham lincoln didn't have two hours live on a friendly cable news network the way that the president did last night Abraham Lincoln didn't have a briefing every day, which the president did for at least a while that went up sometimes over two hours. The modern president has all sorts of ways of getting beyond criticism in a way that makes the comparison pretty hollow.
23: Last night at the Lincoln Memorial certainly was uh, an extraordinary moment, an extraordinary image in in that space to be having uh, a town meeting, and one still doesn't know, you know, what about all the National Park and other security people who had to be out there, out during a pandemic. Now,
0: they'll never do that for Biden. They'll never say, what is wrong with Biden? Why is he so fucking sleepy? Why Why can't he answer questions? Why does he mumble? Why doesn't he even know how many fucking grandkids he has? Why? We we never get that stuff. And if he does become president, and there's a good strong chance he will, you won't be able to question his cognitive abilities. Oh, no. That'll be disrespecting the office of the President of the United States. So, We're going to go into our This is America. This is is not even surprising. I put it as This is America because uh, it's the worst thing I saw. Uh, Project Veritas, James O'Keefe. CBS faked the line of cars to make corona tests seem harder to get. Are you really surprised? This is
5: America. Don't catch your slipping up. Don't catch your slipping up. Look what I'm whipping up. This is America. Don't catch your slipping up. Don't catch you slipping up.
0: It's time for the last sound bite. Like the media say when they up.
5: are pushing
0: Liberal stories?
7: You know? And this, yeah. is this is America in 2019. Hey. Come to
4: my my I got this hey. You're
3: telling me, you're 100% certain that CBS News, CBS News Corporation, National, staged a fake event, they faked the news, they faked the reality, and broadcasted that to all of their audience last Friday on CBS This Morning.
24: 100%, absolutely.
14: Only six states have reported more cases than Michigan, but fewer than 2% of its people have been tested for the virus. In our series on the state of coronavirus testing, Adriana Diaz shows how Michigan is trying to improve a system that has failed some of its people.
24: But the governor says testing above all else will help determine when to fully reopen.
17: apparently, the news crew wanted more people in the line because they knew it
11: was scheduled.
7: Well, we knew when they were coming. We had no clue that we were going to
19: have to, like, do fake patients. Gotcha. Did she tell you guys, like, hey, you're
10: not actually getting tested? Yeah. This, uh, yeah. yeah, she did. She just, well, just to make it more easy, having news because they were right there. That's crazy.
24: Well, I didn't see you guys do the swab at all. I just saw you talking yeah. to them, and then I was talking to the
5: protected.
24: other girl. Yeah.
8: There were a couple
3: of real patients, which made it worse. They probably just wanted to look busy.
24: <laughs> it's my guess. Is this the the fake line? Yes. Yep. That's
3: it. So, so the people in the cars are are not patients.
24: Majority of them. I do know um, from talking with the testers that. That one, one of them, one or two of them, uh, were real patients, which added to their frustration because this line sat there for a while, uh, so they could organize the shot.
3: So they they made a, a a line of cars with, with with medical personnel on the cars as opposed to patients. Correct. And the viewer does not know that.
24: Correct. You shouldn't be afraid to say the truth um, because in the end, you know, truth always wins. Casey,
4: on on social media, basically, it's the hypocrisy of the defenders of the party of Bill Clinton and the defenders of the party of Donald Trump, right? That that's what every social media debate devolves into is some sort of whataboutism on those two gentlemen.
24: Well, Chuck, I think also to Amy's point, Republicans are focusing on how Brett Kavanaugh was handled and how the media handled Brett Kavanaugh, how Democrats talked about Brett Kavanaugh. They're not talking about Donald Trump because the reality is that they can't, because the list of accusers that this president has is very long. Uh, in the case of Joe Biden, there, there is one, and that claim is, is now being explored, and they are having to grapple with it. But you're right that, you know, this debate has become very muddled and devolved into, you know, lobbying charges back and forth. You know, at the end of the day, I think Americans who care deeply about this issue and who care about uh, women and harassment and changing that culture, at the end of the day, this is going to be a choice between Joe Biden and Donald Trump. And there are two separate sets of facts there. And, you know, I'm gonna I, voters are obviously going to be able to make up their own minds about that.
17: Yeah, I mean, Casey,
4: I, I think without without the piece of paper showing up. But I am curious, uh, how many Democrats on Capitol Hill are empathetic, do you think, quietly, are quietly empathetic with the call by the New York Times for some formal investigation?
24: Uh, Chuck, I don't know that there's a huge appetite for that. I think, you know, when you you talk about shifting the debate into a different sphere, the email question around Hillary Clinton, that's kind of the first memory that Democrats have. And, you know, I think behind the scenes, the Biden campaign is very much uh, trying to focus on insisting they are not going to get into a situation where it's but her.
0: I actually fucked that up. I forgot there's two sound bites one I just that was the last sound bite you heard have you heard investigating and they groaned on NBC and that's that's how they act for democratic investigations. Remember if Biden gets elected, all we're gonna hear is it's a partisan investigation if they do get ballsy like the left and go, hey, we're gonna impeach this motherfucker. That impeachment investigation will be partisan. It won't be righteous like the last one. But to the first soundbite, did CBS fake a line of cars in Michigan in order to make it seem like COVID testing was even more difficult? That's what Project Veritas, James O'Keefe, asserts. Footage of the May 1st CBS This Morning shows a long line of vehicles waiting for drive-by testing in Michigan. According to O'Keefe, a CBS News crew pulled medical professionals off the floor at the Cherry Medical Center in Grand Rapids, Michigan to line up in their vehicles, so CBS film crew would have a long line for their COVID-19 coverage. O'Keefe talked to an anonymous witness in Grand Rapids who alleged that CBS told us that the medical personnel were taken away from treating patients and making the line longer for actual patients for the COVID-19 test. Does this surprise anybody? No, doesn't surprise me at all. They 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 did that for a protest. We caught them. Then we have this breakdown. You'll never hear crack hour. Crunch the numbers and separated out New York and other hard hit states, and really getting a better look on how the United States is doing overall. I love my friends and family in the East Coast, but let's go through a quick. Th- Thought experiment on Twitter. Let's say we isolate New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, Massachusetts, and Washington, D.C. as its own country. First up, isolating New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, Massachusetts, and D.C. gives you a per capita rate of 1,008 deaths per 1 million. This country, New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, Massachusetts, and D.C., would have 39.5 million residents and as of this morning would have 39,805 coronavirus deaths. That's a per capita rate of a 1,008 per 1 million. Compare that to the rest of America. The rest of the country, the other 46 states without D.C., has 20, 291.5 million residents and 30,000 314 coronavirus deaths. That would be a per capita rate of COVID, of 104 COVID-19 deaths per 1 million residents. Yeah. 104. This is all bracketed down. It shows the data. America minus New York, New Jersey, CMA, and the D.C. gives us a similar result to Canada. America minus the 339.5 million residents in New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, and Massachusetts, D.C. has a per capita coronavirus death rate of just 104. Compare that to where it is now, 218. More than double and compare it to the rest of the world, 104. Even better than Canada. The key point is all this is the media's focused attack on red states, lockdown at, at, easing in the South, GOP governors who never implemented official stay-at-home orders, when there is no evidence these states are being affected in a comparable way to the East Coast. Now let's look at individual states. Look at New York, number four in population, compared to New Florida, number three, and Texas, number two. <clears throat> Most New York 1283 New Jersey 931 Connecticut 735 Maine 617 and this is per deaths the per capita death rate DC 386 Florida 71 per million Texas 34 per million Georgia 125 per million Nebraska 41 Oklahoma 63 Arkansas 27 South Dakota 28 Wyoming 12. It's what we've been saying since day one. We don't have the same amount of cases. We don't have the same amount of deaths. The death rate isn't there to stay closed. But the media doesn't break it down. Cuomo was on tonight's show last night. He's the greatest thing ever. But he has 1,283 deaths per million people in a state. But he did the best job, they say. But you couldn't make political points like chunk hunger. If we had a Democrat with balls when we take over, they cut off funding to red states and make them beg for their handouts. Almost all of them are welfare queens who live off the blue states. Republican-run states are, on an average, miserable failures who take more from the federal government. It's just a hate. It's just a hate. Or you couldn't run the CNN one. Does Russia have coronavirus under control? According to information released by Russian officials, Putin's strategy seemed to have worked. That's an actual story, boys and girls. Russia, the evil empire, the people who stole our election, they'll use them to say, Trump sucks. That's fucking classic. So, that wraps up our politics show. Not going to close this out. I'm just going
16: to say, go to B now, and let's do some gay shit.